0: It's Indianapolis Center. Do you have any test sure. operations restricted area 2508? Aries 31, Roger. The traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion over. So Roger,
1: Aries 31. Continue to send a your discretion over.
0: Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head
1: on, alter right, and really moving. They're right
2: by us right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone,
3: and welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney, what a show we have for you tonight. But first, let me introduce the members of the posse, or the poussé, as the kids say on the streets, of Paris. Girls, get ready. Get your mister, get your big box of Kleenex, big box of wipes, your fan your easy chair, and that big old squeegee, because the very famous one one is here.
1: Hey, baby. Hey, Mac. How's it going? Hello, girls. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen and all ships at sea, welcome to the show.
3: See, I can breathe now once I do your introduction. That's when the butterflies go away. Oh, good. Okay.
2: <laughs> hey, baby.
3: Thought, hey, baby. Thought you uh, would want to know that. Okay, everything good with you? Well, I was you? talking
1: to my audience first. Sorry, Mac. Oh, that's
3: okay. Uh, that's what we want. Um. Okay. Go, everything's okay with you? Did you get that towel laundered yet, or is that still on the to-do list?
1: Uh, it is on the to-do list. Okay. It's still hung up with thumbtacks uh, airing out for, like, the last six months. Nice. Nice. But, okay. uh, yeah, it's scheduled to go into the laundry pretty soon. Okay.
3: Airing out isn't really the problem, though, isn't it? More stain removal? No.
1: It, yeah. <laughs>
3: okay, good. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, no.
1: It's, it's seen a lot of action this summer. There you go.
3: Okay. Uh, going uh, up further north and his a uh, compound, um, formerly a bunker up there in the great state of Maine. They know him as Coco on the streets, but we know him as Commander Cobra. C.C.
4: Good evening, Mac. It's as wonderful to join you, and thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. As always, a privilege to join the formation of Beyond the way. yes.
3: Is that a, what kind of airplane is that in your background there? Is that an F-35? That's an F-35. Wow, okay. I thought you hated that airplane, no?
4: No, I don't hate it.
3: I thought you were not a big I'm fan.
4: very upset. I hate the how much it costs, and I hate all the problems that are associated with, and I hate it took 15 years to field, but it's still a good airplane.
3: Sounds like you hate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> now, let's go up to our national correspondent up in Battle Creek, Michigan, the, uh, the Battle Creek, what do we call it? The Battle Creek of the Republic? Battle Creek of the Republic.
5: That's it. Okay.
3: Switchblade Steve Ward. How you doing, Switchy?
5: It is great to be here representing the Republic. Yes.
3: Okay. All right. Whatever that means, sure. Okay. Everything okay up there in conflicts land?
5: Beyond wonderful.
3: Kellogg land? Yeah. Good. Good there. Okay. Let's go
1: to- Did you ever have a major conflicts, uh, corn, like cornflake. cornflakes- uh, explosion or anything like that, where you know, like they had in Boston with the
5: molasses. The molasses? Have they ever had we it? just we, we we gauge it by how loud the snap crackle pop is from, ah. uh, from Battle Creek, and okay. uh, it's uh, it's you can just barely hear it. If it gets a little bit too loud, it something it could be like a a, a boiler explosion. That's or something. A w- <laughs> really
1: wow. Yeah.
4: Okay. And just for the uh, listeners, the molasses didn't explode; it fell off a truck. It fell off a truck, right? Off the, uh, the the cart. Yeah, okay,
1: so I embellished the story, all right? Okay, wow. Uh, it,
4: it's the first time
1: for everything. One, one. It first fell off the truck. That truck must have been huge because it it was blew. a horse drawn.
4: It no. was actually a horse drawn cart.
3: Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're gonna have to look into that because I believe it was a big tank. Because like twelve people. Yeah, it was a
4: big tank. You're right, Mac. It was inside <laughs> the uh, the foundry.
3: Yeah, people drown. I mean, people actually drown. Yeah, right. It can still smell the molasses down there in the moth end. Anyway. Um. So. Uh, Let's go to Jocko Johnson, our Southern correspondent. There he is, looking relaxed, as usual. How hey, you, Mac? Jocko. How
0: yeah, well, glad, glad to be here, guys. Okay. You know, I, when he said it fell off the truck, where well, I come from, it's a completely different meeting. Well, the, the, <laughs> I, well we no, come from two. No, it's a um
3: meeting up in the best area. Yeah, in the studio with us tonight, making another rare appearance, and apparently... I don't know how many times you can make an appearance when it's not rare anymore, but the lovely Lois Lane is here.
6: Hi, everybody. I was thinking the same thing. It's not rare anymore, is it?
3: No. <laughs> oh, I thought you were thinking about molasses. No? <laughs> Did you know that, that there was a great Hello, molasses explosion Hi, in that. New York in Boston?
6: <laughs> in Boston? Yes, actually. Mm-hmm. I read a book to my class every year about it on really? the anniversary of it. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Wow. Huh? Such a relevant one. one.
3: I'll say Okay, and also, As always, <laughs> up there in uh, Sideways, New York, our favorite good witch Raven is with us. Raven, how are you doing?
7: Hi, my friends. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
3: Okay, looks like a big bun night from here.
7: Yeah, I thought you nice. guys were were worth doing one more bun. Oh, we deserve a bun for the season. Why you deserve what? one more bun?
3: What happens? What happens during the? There's a no bun season. Is that it?
7: Yeah, that's winter hat season. Oh,
3: winter hats!
7: I didn't have a winter hat that matched with my sweater, so oh. I couldn't. I was like, "Well, what am I supposed to do? I can't look stupid on the radio." No, exactly. oh
3: god, no kidding. Even though it the is radio,
1: idea. we have one one for that. Okay, all right. <laughs> so I'm keeping score on how uh, color coordinated you are David. after this week. So In case you didn't know,
3: no bun, no fun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so uh, we have a uh, quite a shoe for you tonight. Um, we're going to be talking later on about how uh, in uh, American history, M- American military history, that the weather has affected uh, some very crucial events. Josh uh, is going to be talking about that. Uh, also, um, some new information came out, which uh, you know, seems to be more and more proof that Noah's Ark actually did exist, and it's up in a mountain in Turkey somewhere. So, who's going to be telling us about that? Or uh, As someone wrote to us the other day, they look on us as Marconi's wet dream. How about that for high price?
1: Who said that?
3: One of the fans. One of the fans? Yeah.
1: we got some strange fans yeah. out there, but we <laughs> like them all.
3: Tell me about it there, brother. So anyway.
4: Well, considering that uh, Marconi sent that first successful signal just down south of where you're broadcasting from,
3: mm-hmm. it
4: seems somewhat appropriate that we could be his illegitimate uh, offspring.
3: Whoa, I didn't go that far. Well, where, where was it? Down the Cape? Was he down the Cape? Where did Marconi send this Yeah, It's on the Cape.
4: Sure is. It's, um, there's a little museum down there. It's actually one of the better things to take in.
3: Mm-hmm. Wasn't it in Prov- Providence Town, was it?
4: No, it wasn't okay, Providence Town. <laughs> right,
3: Okay. You know that that has the highest crime rate in all of Massachusetts, Providence Town?
1: Really?
3: Yep. Well, I didn't Not know Lawrence that. per capita. Jocko was raising his hand. Jocko.
0: I, I don't want to talk over, so I oh, you yeah. to ask you. <laughs> I'll tell you actually, Marconi there. Um, took the credit for that but you know he was having a lot of problems he bumped into tesla somewhere oh really at a conference and talked to him about it tesla said oh, this is what you're doing wrong mm. and he fixed it and years later tesla or his family or somebody they sued the government to get the patent for radio oh is that right and yeah he, he won the case
3: mm. yes he did they really so, well wow.
0: marconi marconi i hate to say one of my countrymen he was yep was a fraud okay <laughs> hmm. But it fell
4: know. off the truck, Jocko. Yes. Back, exactly, up. Exactly. Just <laughs> back up. It
0: fell off the truck. <laughs> he couldn't help it.
3: Talk about know. a little history lesson. Okay, so anyway, we're going to start the show off with a bit, okay, as always. And uh, this one is going out on the edge. This is almost fringe-like. This is the f- five really bad jokes about members of the show. Okay, five really bad jokes about members of the show. I asked Lonely Larry if he would be... On tonight because one of the jokes involves him, but he's too busy playing pool. So we'll have to go on without him. So, Raven, you have the five bad jokes.
7: I do. Are we ready?
3: We are ready. Let's go. Five bad jokes about the uh, members of the cast, members of the gang, the crew. Let's start the music right now. Number five, please.
7: Okay. Uh, Club, Al Ronaldo, and Jocko walk into a bar but Raven ducked and was unhurt. I think that's funny.
8: <laughs> I, I, I get
3: it? Okay, here we go. Number four, please. Bad jokes about the crew.
7: Number four, Switch and his neighborhood's freeloading dog, Mulligan, go into a bar. Switch tells the bartender he'll bet him $100 that Mulligan is the smartest dog in the world. As proof, Switch says to Mulligan, what's on top of a house? Mulligan goes, roof. He asks him who is, best, who is best baseball player ever. Mulligan goes, roof. But the bartender stops him there and says, any dog can do that. He tells Switch to go into the men's room and wait there while he gives Mulligan a task. If the dog completes it, the bartender will give Switch $100. If he fails, Switch has to give the bartender $100. Switch agrees. Once he's gone, gone, the bartender gives Mulligan a $20 bill and tells him to run across the street to the liquor store, buy a bottle of whiskey, and bring it back. Mulligan takes the money runs, and runs out of the door. 20 minutes go by, but Mulligan doesn't return. Finally, Switch comes out of the men's room, pays the bartender $100, and leaves. He finds Mulligan in the alley next door having sex with a poodle. <laughs> he says to him, "Hey, what happened? We've had we've had this great scam going for years, but you've never done anything like this before." To which Mulligan replies, "Well, I never had twenty bucks before." Boom.
0: <laughs> okay, bada boom. Come on. Whoever whoever wrote that <laughs> was great. <laughs> I was <cracking> up. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well,
3: number three, please. <laughs> Bad jokes about the crew. <laughs> Talk
4: about Number high
7: strangeness. Yes.
8: Yes. Yeah. Did he's you know, a pretty smart dog. Yes.
7: <laughs> Did Wolf. you know that not only is Lonely Larry a proud Polish descent, he's also a well-respected architect and engineer. One day, the Polish president asked to meet with him. He tells Larry he wants to put an end to all Polish jokes forever. And the way to do it is for Larry to build a monument to the Polish people that's so grand and beautiful, no one will ever make a joke about Polish people again. He gives Larry $100 million and tells him to report back when he's done. Six months later, Lonely Larry reports back. He tells the president that they've built the most magnificent bridge in the world. It's huge, very modern looking, and it's like a work of art. The Polish president is very happy. He asks Larry, where is it? Larry says, well, because it's so big, we had, we had to build it in the Sahara Desert. The Polish president goes nuts. He says, you built a bridge in the desert? You idiot. Now there'll be more Polish jokes than ever. You have to get rid of it. I order you to blow it up immediately. But Lonely Larry says, I can't. The Polish president asks him why not? And Lonely Larry says, because there's 5,000 Italians fishing off it. Come on,
0: <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh
3: That got Jocko right in the uh, Solaflexes. <laughs> taking
0: that knife out of me. <laughs> okay.
3: All right, please. Uh, number uh, two? two? Two. Two. Yep. Bad jokes about the crew.
7: Um, Mack and Juan Juan rent a rowboat and go out fishing. They row around for about an hour with no luck, but then they find a spot where they start catching fish like crazy. Suddenly, Wanwan takes out a marker and puts an X on the bottom of the boat. Max says, "What are you doing?" JJ replies, "This is such a g- <laughs> this is such a good place to catch fish. I want to mark the exact spot so we can come back tomorrow." To which Max says, "You idiot." How do we how do we know we'll get the same boat
1: tomorrow?
3: <laughs> that was good.
7: Oh, I love these. These are like the perfect amount of cheesy. Oh, I love it.
3: Everyone but Lois is laughing. Lois is it's Oh she's smiling. Oh, over her head. Okay. Well you are short, so. Okay, here we go. The number one bad joke about members of the crew, please.
7: Number one, Coco and Teddy, the ballless horse, go to Yankee Stadium. Coco tells the Yankees manager that Teddy is a fabulous baseball player and he wants the Yankees to put him on the team. The manager laughs at him and says, but he's a horse. Horses can't play baseball. CeCe tells him, just give him a tryout. The manager agrees. Teddy takes a glove in his mouth, goes into the outfield, and incredibly catches every ball hit to him. He then goes to the pitcher's mound and using his mouth to throw strikes out 10 Yankees in a row. Then he takes a bat in his mouth and hits nothing but home runs on every pitch thrown to him. The manager is astonished. He says, my God, he can catch, he can pitch, and he can hit. It's amazing. But can he run? To which Coco says, if he could run, we wouldn't be here looking for a job. <laughs> Come on.
0: All
3: right, all right. Can we clap for ourselves and then we we'll... go.
0: There you go. You'd be an aqueduct. Five bad jokes. Yeah, you'd be an
3: aqueduct. Five bad jokes about the crew. Okay. Wow. Look at the, um, look at the spikes Excellent. there, honey buns. I'm yep. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: What's, that's, that's what what does the meter say? <laughs> it,
3: it, it's, it's going crazy, sharks. believe me. It's it's yeah. So why don't we leave them laughing and take a uh, quick commercial break now, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's will Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. The entire
2: gang is here, and we'll be right back. We've all heard of Area 51, the U.S. government's top secret base in the Nevada desert. But have you ever heard of Area 52? Or 53? Or 54? 54? 54. 54. How about Tanapar Test Range? Or the Navy's secret base inside the Bermuda Triangle? Find out about them and more in Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Did Richard Nixon show Jackie Gleason a crashed alien spaceship near the swamps of Florida? Is it true that more UFOs are seen over a small Scottish village than anywhere else in the world? And is there a secret place in Russia that some people think is heaven on earth? In Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, you'll visit more than a dozen top secret places around the globe. The haunted forests of New Jersey. A valley in Colorado where shadows come alive and humans can fly without wings. And where's the only secret base in America that's not been visited by UFOs? You've heard Mac talk all about these places on his radio show. Now you can read all about them yourself. That's Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Now on sale at Amazon.
3: Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracksaw Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. Before I reintroduce the members of the gang, though, we have a special guest in the studio making a very rare appearance. He has a very busy schedule. Pistol Pete. Yeah, Pistol well, Pete Falcone. When's the last time? No way. Really? Yeah. Hey. Yep.
2: I was on cleanup duty today. Hello. Thank you.
8: Yay.
3: Thanks. That was a spontaneous round of applause there. Pistol yeah. Somebody P. had to oh. empty the wastebasket. Someone oh, really? Did. Yeah. That had to be yeah. Me. Yeah. Don't you, <laughs> It's my week. Hey, don't you did have you your, run into Bob yet or what? Does, yeah. Isn't Bob doing that? Bob, Bob the ghost? Bob the ghost? No.
2: Yeah. He's supposed to be, but. Yeah. Okay. He's a little lax He's been missing jungle. since Halloween. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well,
1: I <laughs> thought he tripped over the recycled cans bag up back oh, one time. That's
2: right.
3: <laughs> I you know, you thought cool. there was a
1: cat, but there was nobody there.
3: We should explain that uh, Pistol Pete uh, owns the uh, radio station where we broadcast out of, and he also uh, owns a network of stations, correct?
2: Uh, well, a handful.
3: Yeah. A handful, okay, all right. How many
2: exactly? Uh, There's For- like... Uh, Six or seven Oop, at this six, point.
3: There's more than a handful. As of five o'clock wow.
2: today, yes, yeah. that was the number.
3: There's more than a handful unless you're from Mars. And have you just 70. tell me how
4: many you told, you told the IRS. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs>
2: we have four we
3: understand. if you're from the IRS. Four, three and a half. So in um, um, very popular format, Seacoast, oldies, right? Is that your?
2: That's one of them. That's kind of the main the main thing is it's in the biggest markets.
3: Okay. So, all right. And that's the music of the uh 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s. Yeah, people love that, right? Oh yeah. Very I listen cool. And I you listen
2: don't to it all the time. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get it that often, you know, on commercial radio anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, cool.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Totally built for the boomer generation.
3: Okay. And what you and you have FM station as it's AM and FM, right? Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. What's your other, what's the Portsmouth FM station? Is that the... That's Seacoast Oldies. Okay. What's, yeah. Do you have any, do you have a heavy metal channel or anything no, like no, that? No, no heavy metal. We, How about a comedy channel? Would no, you be that'd interested? be a good one. No. Can we pitch that to you, me and Wama? No, no.
2: The only comedy uh, around here is the balance sheet. <laughs> oh, wow. There you oh, go. Okay.
3: <laughs> okay. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, this is... You spent too much money on K-Cups.
2: Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) Look at this. Got to do away with the free coffee. drinking all the coffee? (laughs) Oh,
3: oh, is that what those things are?
4: (laughs) At some point, you just have to knock off that Enron School of Management uh, way of running that. That's really what it's at.
3: Now, what we tell people all the time on the show, you know, when we bring it up, is that this radio station is in a house in a neighborhood, right? I mean, if you you could drive by easily and not essentially, even essentially, yep.
2: I'm going to assume that when this was built, there were no other houses around. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, it was on a dead end street. Yep, and uh, because one of the uh, and and somebody a lot more technical than I would understand when I say th- this was prime property for that because there's an AM station involved and the tower for the AM is in the sort of swampy area in the back.
3: Yes. Right. I mean, if you don't see the Mm -hmm. tower, you'd say, well, you know, this is just another kind of suburban house, but I think that's kind of cool in a way. I mean, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, the neighbors like it because then they can get the station on their toaster. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Juan Juan, you would know that stuff, the old RL stuff.
1: I was troubleshooting problems like that in the Portsmouth area across from, uh, the big tower there on Route One in Lafayette. People yeah. and they, they were-, were getting um, on their fax machines or fax lines that were being stalled for DSL, right. mind you, they okay. were getting a clear as day audio from the railroad state. Uh um, the radio station.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. And uh, on their toaster? You So know, you have
1: to file a complaint in <laughs> hey, order to get it corrected. Hey, hey.
2: You know, kids in this neighborhood get it on their braces. So they really wow yeah, that's Yeah. And then they're like, Hey, that's my grandfather's music you're playing. Yeah. That's broadcasting. Right.
3: Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, so um and another interesting thing about this place, other than the fact that it has a ghost that we all know about. We've seen, we've, you know, communed with him yeah, just yeah, about. Yeah. Um is that you have this little you have this lounge, uh, not a little lounge in the back, and it looks out over the Exeter Golf Club, right? The Exeter Country Club. <laughs> yes, it does. I yeah. mean, it's probably one of the top places, you know, for um, uh, professors who golf. Right. You know, and I we mean, get
2: some mood lighting back. Mood there. Mood lighting, yes. Yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, Exeter, we're in Exeter, New Hampshire, which is the home of many things, including Exeter Academy. Which is you go there and then you go out to Harvard and Yale and so on and oh, so yeah. forth, right? You you, you know
2: yep, Abraham, the uh, the previous
1: Abra- home of Dan Brown, yes, yes, great and, and
2: Abraham Lincoln's son went there.
3: Did he really? Yes. yes. Wow. wow. Yeah. Hmm. What was his son's name? Murray? A Fred? Or something? <laughs> yeah. oh. something like that. yeah. Right. A very very kind of old school, old money. Place to go, yeah. Exeter sure. Academy, you know? and yeah. so, yeah. So we're in good company. And then right up the street was where the Exeter incident happened, one of the most famous UFO incidents ever.
2: That's right. right?
3: So well, wow, we're in the center of it.
2: That's what they talk about here mm-hmm. in town. So Seacoast Oldies, you can get the app right. We're on the app. How do they get the yes, app? Yes, your show is uh, available through podcast on our app. Just go to your and uh, your app store search. Seacoast Oldies, and you'll be able to uh, listen to the station mm-hmm. or uh, listen to any of our podcasts. Okay, cool. Now, uh,
3: Pete's out. Limo is waiting for him outside, and I can tell the driver's getting a little anxious, but I got one more question. I hear that you've recently got a new spokesmodel for, uh, for the station?
2: Yes, uh, Ms. Cash. Yeah. <laughs> Lola Cash. Lola yeah. Cash, yeah. Yeah. Huh. And, um, yeah, we borrowed her from your show, Okay. and uh, she's had two great— uh, Two great runs through yes. all of our social media and and mm-hmm. all of that, and uh, she's a staple of the station. now. As, as it
3: turns out, Lola, Lola Cash is right with us. Come here, Lola. Just say something to this microphone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> she might sound a lot like Lois Lane, as it turns out, but yeah, right? yeah. that was compelling. For sure. <laughs> Total coincidence. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, one last question, and then I promise I'll let you go. You, you. Uh, we've uh, we've talked about this before. You are compelled to play Christmas music 24-7 around Christmas season, right? Well, a couple cuts an hour. We haven't started yet. Okay, but but at some point, isn't it all Christmas music? No. no? Not, oh, that's not, good. Not okay. on,
2: we have one station in Bangor, Maine uh, that has flipped over to all Christmas music. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the adult contemporary station in, in that market. But here we'll sprinkle some in as we go along. Okay. Um, yeah. Can I name the top five just off the top of my uh, head? You go ahead now and, okay. and I'll tell you what the... Felice
3: right. Navidad. Oh, heavy
2: heavy rotation. Heavy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Little St. Nick by the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. Yep. Most definitely. okay all I want for Christmas is You by Mariah uh, Carey. Yes. Mariah Carey gets in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that so my God. Distinct, so yeah, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. If
3: Lola, you, oh, um, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen? Springsteen,
1: the Paul McCartney song "Christmas Time."
2: Yeah, oh. yeah, oh. And, and, and hate it. A couple of Springsteen
3: I die tunes. I a little bit like inside it, I when it. I hear that song. Which
7: song? The Bruce Springsteen song "Santa Claus." A Father Christ Christmas
1: to town. by Greg Lake.
2: Yeah. Okay, the Bruce well, Springsteen. That's, song. My, that's my best one. The the Bruce Springsteen song is what's the title of it? So, well, he does uh, Christmas. "Merry Christmas, Baby." Oh, that's and right. He does. He does. Santa, Santa Claus, Claus is coming to, coming to town. Wow! How can and, I forget? And um, John Mellencamp doing. Uh, uh, uh,
7: wow! It just, it's just, No. Uh, uh, you know. uh, uh,
3: Mummy saw. Daddy. Hey, uh, yeah. 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 Mummy yeah. saw, daddy saw Daddy kissing daddy, Santa Claus uh, all over Santa yeah. Claus. Yeah. yeah. Wow! It is 2021. Yeah. So. Um, but I know we've had discussions about this before. Wouldn't counter programming work around Christmas or no? I mean, it's a
2: radio station that didn't put any Christmas songs on. Oh, I I think so. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I would rather sprinkle a few in than to have somebody go, oh, I want a Christmas song and push yeah. the button.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all Christmas. And when do they do that? Till New
2: Year's? They get, I mean, they get uh, all yeah, Christmas. We'll, we'll pretty much let's see. Christmas is on a Saturday this year. We'll probably. Keep it through Sunday, and then uh, mm-hmm. it's put away
3: again. Okay, so if one one and I came up with our own Christmas song, okay, who knows what it would be. My grandma
2: got run over by a reindeer. Or inside. by a challenger, as it turns <laughs> yeah. out, <of> 2016
3: <laughs> challenger. Yeah, yeah. Um, Would you play the song?
2: Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah, you know, like, it,
3: it's about a three-second hesitation. There, folks.
2: Kind of like a Bob and Doug McKenzie type thing, you mean? Um, um, yeah, just pretend we're
3: not Canadian.
2: Not yeah, okay. okay. All
3: right, okay. I'm going to hold what? you to Juan that. Juan
1: Juan remembers running a reel-to-reel tape of wall-to-wall Christmas music, and I'm running the board. And I'm pretty much uh, doing my homework or doing crossword puzzles i'm yes. just letting that sucker run and just hope that uh, the tape doesn't run out actually there were multiple tapes cool you remember that pete right
2: oh yeah yeah the you worst just, thing you know, is let it, let, let let it roll
1: let's, it was recorded from some kind of syndicated program right oh yeah but let's yeah. throw it didn't an make industry it. It term out there one, one. satellite
2: programming the, 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 here's an industry term the worst thing would be to uh Put the tape on, st- let it play, and find out the tape is tails out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So backwards. Yeah, yeah in other backwards words, somebody approach. played it all the way through, and rather than rewind it, they just took yeah. the, the full tape off. Mm-hmm. So then you put it on, and it's st- you, the minute you started, it, it's like. <laughs> wow, you
0: do that
2: but so worse well. Than that
1: is the play-by-play of a Concord High School football game. Oh, God, oh yeah. That. Wow. Okay, this this is the opening billboard. I'm going, what's this? Tales from
3: Radio. And, you know, we've had you on before, and I I know you have to go, but, I mean, you used to play a character who was a traffic reporter in a helicopter, right? That's correct. And you felt... And, and, and the bit was that you didn't like to fly correct? yeah
2: the whole bit was that I couldn't look down I didn't want to look down mm-hmm. okay. And so the, the, the whole running thing was well how can you tell the traffic if you won't look down right yes right and so. and how'd you answer that just ESP uh, I uh, just yeah, I said just... I you know I guess I guess okay you know it's the same traffic's the same
3: every day uh, so. it sure is man yeah. and this is around Boston and so it's really nuts you know yeah. I, I guess it's as good as some you know good uh, estimate. But listen, but real quick, didn't you? did the guy who flew your helicopter, he was kind of nutty, correct? Yes, he was right out there. Okay. Yeah. So he used to land in like McDonald's parking lots going to get food and tell you, just hold this down so we don't take off.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a combination of a couple of stories. But yes, we used to land in an abandoned gas station on Route 1. I believe it was in Dedham, Massachusetts. I would jump out and run over to the McDonald's and the people were just stunned because there's a helicopter running right next door blowing stuff all over the parking <laughs> yeah, cool, lot. Yeah, cool, yeah. I'm like, two Egg McMuffins and two coffees to go. To go. I mean, really go. <laughs> and quickly. the other one was when he we did land somewhere and he had to get out to get something, but wanted to leave the copter running and told me to keep my hand on this stick and don't let it move. And it, I'm like, well, what happens if it moves? He goes, you'll start going out. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, so. wow. Okay.
3: <laughs> wow. Man, Adventures in Radio. Talk about who should write a book. You should write a book because- yeah, You know, there's should. There's a number of them I know we can't tell in the air too, right? Correct? Correct. I mean, for sure, yeah. yeah okay. Well, okay. That's another yeah. show, Mac After Doc. Yeah. Thank you, Pistol Pete, for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Let's clap awesome. him off. Thank you, everybody. Great to see we you all. Behind
4: the scenes Great, of, uh, Great radio to hear you all. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, dear Mr. Bell Hi, P.
3: Thank, P.
8: Thank you. you. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry to you.
2: Thank you, everybody. P- P-
3: P. It's okay. His limo driver's beeping the horn. He has to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah, you. I got to go. He's, uh,
2: he's got to drop me off, and then he's... Picking up his buddies to go bowling. Really? Yeah? yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? Do you rent the limo out? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll talk to why you about not, that man? too. It, yeah, why it's not? that balance sheet. <laughs> That's right. Hey, it's I non-traditional hear you, traditional income, it's called.
3: Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Is yeah. that what the IRS calls it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Right. That's what I've heard. too. So. For now. Thank you. Now now get get My pleasure. <laughs> there he goes. Not too often we have a multi-millionaire on the show, but we <laughs> just have one. Thank Thank you, Pete. My pleasure. <laughs> see, you nice see you later. Oh, boy. Wow, okay. Pistol Pete. He should write a book. Yeah. He's, I mean, really,
1: he, he's really offered us uh, unbelievable accommodations there at the yeah, station. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yep, not, yep. Not overly ostentatious, but very comfortable. No,
3: nope, it's really a nice everything place to works, go and do this. Yeah, everything works. And uh,
1: has a history to it.
3: Yep. It's got a ghost, you know. It's, but,
1: Mac, it, it's funny how stations did... Um, Populate housing areas where mm. there wasn't really a housing area there before. Yeah, the, and but, that's the the station that I worked in was in the middle of a it's uh, it's it's going to be area, and you know that when they allowed a tower to be there
3: mm-hmm.
1: with a considerable amount of power, you know, a couple thousand watts. Yes, and how it can affect other things in the area. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to have a, a certain boundary where you know you, there was well, nothing around you.
3: He wasn't kidding about the and kids getting. And all of
1: a sudden it. they said, "Oh, we got, we've got tools to f- just filter that stuff out and make it, make it not uh, interfere." So let's build you know, houses all over the place.
3: Before we get to Coco, I know he's uh, chomping at the bit, but something uh, just a thought just came to me. Okay, maybe it's this Jenny Ice. I don't know, but you know he was saying that kids pick up you know the radio station on their uh, braces. But I, I have heard people you know that have picked up radio. Sounds on things that aren't radios, right? That's right. possible. Oh, yeah. that's, okay. that's very common. Okay, so listen. Or at
4: least there's reports. Lucille Ball being one of the more popular ones yep. that used to oh. talk about in the
1: 70s. World
3: War Two. Hmm. Okay, so switch. How about that? Hearing
1: aids is a real popular one. You got a hearing aid? That I could understand. And you go, wow. Yep. I can't hear the TV at all. I hear this. Well, uh, when you have an electronic
4: device that
1: uh, can be attenuated,
4: that's uh, perfect. It that doesn't surprise me. But when yeah. you have people that have. Uh, you know mm-hmm. certain cranial structures, or the way their mm-hmm. dental work is arranged, Done and they're picking work. up
3: vibrations. Right. it's pretty yes. interesting. It's crazy. Uh, hey, switch real quick. Yeah. Uh, remember we did? You did the story and the guy who heard the voices through his welding machine, through his welding
5: torch. I Maybe saying, that's when he, when he keyed up his welding torch. He yes. started to hear uh, voices, evil voices, plotting uh, uh, very wicked things against mankind that was uh, just
3: a super yeah, probably film. one That's of pete's uh Pete stations no but i mean uh, is that possible can someone get radio waves through their you know low torch i,
5: I would i would think anything would have a uh, electric magnetic coil or whatever i suppose it would be possible hmm. with, the, with the right conditions or well, something. i
3: might have cracked that case okay
6: did you ever see the partridge family Episode
3: where no.
8: Tracy's
6: braces goofed At, up. Gilligan's hole. Island.
8: <laughs>
5: oh boy! If they turned Gilligan upside down. It would turn his head to tune in the right station. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Wow.
3: Okay.
6: See, so right. I guess it's real.
5: How is that, that show that
4: still not on the air? Just I don't amazing. Know. I I don't know.
3: How did it that ever get kind of get...
4: quality writing? That kind of in depth kind of entertainment.
3: My favorite episode is when the holland Globetrotters visit the island and they have to play. No. Jim Backus and I his don't. wife. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do not
6: remember that one.
3: Anyway, okay, yeah. there's a stroll down memory lane. While well, if we... they
1: visited the island, why couldn't they get everybody else I That's know. the
3: big mystery, man. <laughs> that's the big mystery. So, uh, now, uh, Coco, we're going to go to you because uh, we were talking off air that there's been new um, you know, evidence or whatever uncovered that leads to the more of a likelihood that Noah's Ark did exist and um, is up in a mountain in Turkey, somewhere everyone knows Noah's Ark is, right? God came down to him and said, build a big boat, quick, get two of everything, get on, the, get on the boat, and, uh, you know, get ready to sail. And that's what happened. And
1: 15 cubits by 20 cubits. Hmm. Uh, what's a cubit?
3: <laughs> figure that out. Now you're doing the routine that, from right?
4: uh, a comedy routine. Bill Cosby. Here we are talking about... Yeah, Bill Cosby. Oh, Here good. we are yep. talking
1: about... You picked uh,
3: the right comedian, man. Uh, anyway, is he still in jail? Oh, he got no, out he's, of jail. he's out. Did he? Okay, anyway. So, um, so uh, you know, Cobra, I, I've heard, you know, over the years that people have discovered, you know, what looks like a boat at the top of a mountain in Turkey, right? Correct. Okay. So right. then, so what's the new? What's the new news?
4: So... As very recently, um, a U.S. and Turkish team has uh, brought out some scans uh, that they believe shows evidence that there's a man-made object under this area, which has been reported to be the Ark. Um, there's a quite a bit of uh, biblical reference as well as scholarly work that points to this particular area. There is a number of um, uh, cultural uh, links to this area as well that I'll talk about uh, briefly, but in general, um, what has uh, kind of kicked this all open again is that uh, they have taken some fairly modern uh, capabilities to do ground penetrating radar uh, from a company out of uh, the United States called Topa 3D to uh, to look at what is underneath what is now covered with dirt. Now, you have to remember that this has happened a few times in this, uh, uh, in the past century, ours, when we were growing up uh, in the 70s, uh, 80s, there was a number of uh, expeditions. And there were some also hoaxes that were connected with it, uh, bringing back um, pieces of wood that people claimed they had found, uh, investigating uh, structures uh, that uh, were in like ice and snow that showed stalls that people had uh, tried to uh, pass off as this is the discovery of the Ark. And most of those were turned out to be be hoaxed. But this one is interesting, but it leads back to uh, a case in 1959. A Turkish army captain was flying and he photographed, his name was Ilhan uh, Duranapar and Duran Ripnar which is also with the name of the uh, range where the, uh, the arc is believed to exist or is resting, um, started this in 1959. This recent group uh, brought up ground-penetrating radar to do a more in-depth investigation. and found a number of things that show up to be at right angles. Also, they confirmed the 150 cubits length, which is about 300 feet or so, uh, to, uh, to match the uh, the recorded biblical kind of dimensions on the length of the ship um, on that. So there is a lot of excitement on this. You, people that are listening can look at NOAA arc scans and they'll be able to find some interesting uh, uh, renditions of what they had with the ground penetrating radar. And it helps break the dismissal by folks in the past where this is a geological formation. Uh, it definitely has a boat formation mm-hmm. and the Arat mountain ranges where it's found, that's in Eastern Turkey, uh, matches quickly. Now a couple personal connections. I uh, do this. When I went to college there in good old Boston, I was with a number of Armenian uh, students, uh, and Armenian descent that were here in the United States, as well as a couple of professors that were, uh, in my, uh, my major. Yes. And many of that, uh, community, uh, have a cultural connection to the belief that uh, the Ark was in the mountains near where they uh, lived in Armenia. Mm-hmm. And some even claim to have uh, part of the structures that they or their families grew up in were disassembled pieces of the Ark. Hmm. Um, it always seems to return and intersect back at this uh, particular part of the uh, globe. It seems to have a lot of uh, interesting Uh, intersections with uh many cultures in the area yeah Mm. um and the arc uh, kind of fits one other interesting piece um that i'll bring up um ranger rick Risher, one of my uh, close friends a former naval aviator from the vietnam era then went off to work in the uh, central intelligence agency uh, as a uh, helicopter pilot he after his time with the agency opened up a uh business uh, jet opportunity or capability that would flying a number of uh, uh, VIPs from the Hollywood area. Mm. And he got to know and knew from his time in uh, in the Navy, um, James Irwin. And James Irwin is one of the more famous explorers of Noah's Ark in the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s.
3: He's an astronaut.
4: And uh, he was an astronaut. He was actually, I think, believed like the first to get onto the moon. Uh, he was the Lemmon. Uh, pilot and the first one to drive the uh, the rain the rover
8: uh-huh. on
3: the
4: moon. Yeah, cool. he uh, the story is that he did a lot of research. He was teamed up with Donald Mackenzie. Donald Mackenzie, a Scotsman, who did a lot of investigation as well. But what most people don't know, and I learned from from Ranger Rick, is that before he went to the moon, uh, Mr. Irwin wasn't much of a believer in God. But his experience of being on the moon and looking back. at earth and seeing that view uh changed his uh changed his outlook hmm. and he had kind of a conversion to understanding that there was more to uh more to the uh, universe than what he had expected that would do so it. i thought that was always an interesting side story and uh, of course uh Ranger rick is someone we need to have on the show because hmm. he flew with bob hope and neil armstrong he had him in the back of his jets a number of times and Bob he has a really cool personal insight uh, to some of the beautiful people, or some of the uh, interesting people. And when you meet him and you talk to him, and uh, he was a guest uh, a number of times on other shows, mm-hmm. he has a really uh, incredible. He's one of those folks, like you talked to Pete tonight. Yes. You need to write a book. You know, you need to put it down because he's had a lot of really crazy experiences. But it's interesting that connection because he had spoken uh, with him, Yes, uh, him being James Irwin. And he really felt compelled and he believed he had found the Ark in the 80s.
8: Mm-hmm. Now,
4: here's a quick run to one uh, I think 1-1. Go ahead. I've always had a connection. As I kiddingly have said, I'm going to build a barn the shape of an Ark because we keep collecting animals up here. Get the neighbors nervous. I my name to Noah. And that won't be for tax reasons, but I think it's probably Go beneficial ahead. if I did change my name to Noah. Um I uh, remember with my dad, who's always been kind of a nut for this kind of stuff. He loves this kind of stuff. He's the reason I got interested in the paranormal and specifically UFOs. We went to the Granada Theater in Malden, and I remember oh, seeing yeah. the documentary that came out about the the discovery. And, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, Juan yeah. Juan could have probably been there. Would obviously yeah. have been working the crowd uh, with <laughs> some young lady back in those days. Cause Absolutely. I was, I was in working college, college high and I, was, I was barely... I, I qualified for the Chiefs. Wait a minute! Hang since, on a second. Working the crowd was in those Working the crowd but, with uh, some young
3: lady. What the what the fuck does that mean? Know.
4: Well, he he, he speaks uh, quite highly. <laughs> I mean, Juan, Juan and I are the only two people in this audience that remember when the Granada Theater had a balcony. Yep.
3: That okay. That looked yeah.
4: down on the one screen, and then late in the seventies, they filled in that that, and they put a second screen, in, so you had the theater 1 and theater
3: 2. Oh wow. But okay. I do
4: remember going to there when it was a balcony and watching the movie from the balcony.
3: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes Juan you didn't watch the movie,
4: like, you know, working like a Oh my, a, a, he's a at the
1: front row, of the balcony it, it afforded an opportunity that was even uh, more worthy than what might have been playing except for a hard day's night of course. Yeah, what, 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 what? And That was uh the view that you saw of the young ladies down below.
3: Okay, all right. Wow, well, really man. How old and were you? Saying. Five, six? Would you bring spy glasses with you? Binoculars? Look down? No. Just right.
1: bare eyes. You huh. have better vision than I have now. I, you see. Know. I understand. Uh...
3: Okay. That's what the porn's for. Well <laughs> uh, Jocko <laughs> is raising his hand. Jocko, please. Uh,
0: I, I was just going to say, I love one man. He kills me. <laughs> that was it okay. four years old. he's four years old chasing his yes, there,
3: yeah tries his tricycle up there so uh, just two quick questions on Noah's Ark all right, once again um, maybe you covered this but why don't people just climb up to the top of the mountain and take a sample the Turkish government won't let people climb the well, mountain well it's all
4: something? covered over Mac if, if, if folks go to see this latest story which is, which is connected the US Sun has a really good feature on it yep. they have a video connected with it you'll see that it's Covered over. And if, it, if you think back to biblical times and the and the ancient scale of it, you would imagine that it would not be sticking out. A wooden structure wouldn't have survived, uh, unlike the pyramids or something uh, like the Sphinx yeah, sure. or something like that, which is made of stone. Yep. But this particular resting area where it, it sits and what they've been able to put together, they're finding now with the, the, the current technology that it has indications that there's something underneath it that is not a geological formation. Mm-hmm. So you can't really go up there and just grab it. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because there, there are Armenian groups that believe, literally believe that the, the timbers of their ancient homes come from the Ark. They mm. believe that, that, that their their ancestors brought this down and made these, these simple... Uh, cliffside kind of dwellings, cool, and that's where the materials came from.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so wow. how weird is that? It, it's nothing's
4: really exposed as you can get to it. It's not an easily accessible area. This really does require you to have aircraft to, uh, to and find compass. and get it easily.
3: Um, also, uh, the Noah's Ark story is in every, I think, every other major religion's "quote unquote" Bible too. Correct. You know, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's it's not um just you know it's not just it's not exclusive oh, to a christian right. Uh, yeah. uh,
4: faith right and yeah. that's because the old testament really is not a christian text the no. new testament is a christian text right. the yes. old testament is what you find in um in islam as well as judaism and other uh faiths in the in the middle east region mm-hmm. the interesting part about that is the, the abraham is a recognized figure abraham comes after noah yes and he is a figure of the Old Testament that is recognized in both Islam as well as Judaism, mm-hmm. and ultimately to Christianity because we we extend out of the uh, the Jewish side of the uh, of the faith.
3: Mm-hmm. What were they well, they had a lot going on back then. You know, at one point, I think someone said that when uh, not to get into religion, but when when Christ was alive, there were a hundred million people on the planet. Does that sound right? That may be a fair answer. Yeah, right. And also, when Christ was alive, the pyramids, some of the pyramids were already like 3,000 years old. that That's Correct. what blows my that mind. That part's accurate. That's how ancient the pyramids are. So anyway, well, thank you, Coco. Let's give him a round of applause.
1: I think Jocko had a quick question. Go ahead, Jocko. I was just
0: going to say, I mean, they did, the Roman Empire took censuses every year, so. It mm. might have been close to that number. You know? Yeah. You had, you had yeah.
4: Yeah. I just, it. I don't, I just don't yeah, see don't how know. Tiberius and the rest of the boys were getting over to the, the, the subcontinent of India, how they were keeping a good tally yeah, on what was they, going on they, in, they, the, they, in the Asian part of the world and what was right. happening on the islands.
0: Hmm. They said they made, you know, there was always a story of a legion that traveled to, to China. And we don't know. Yet. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I'm not sure they've taken a census though. I get right, that. Right. But, well, but I guess I, they, I've heard I guess that they,
4: line used before and it's important. I mean, historically, the Western civilization that forcing of a census is critical to causing a
3: lot right. of events. But I think uh, what I was, on I think, I think that think I number
0: was, I was agreeing with, like Max said, maybe just in that area around the Mideast and around the Mediterranean. Uh, I, I
3: think that the number that was come up not with census, not so much with census, but you know, just anthropologists and so on know, you know, what was going on at the time in China. What was going on at the time in India, South America. They put it all together and said, Well, you know, there's forty people 40 million people in China. There's two million people in South America, and that's how they arrived right. at the number. But who knows? Yeah, it, to me, to me, it seemed like a lot of people. I, I, I think that's a high number—hundred million in uh, basically two thousand years ago.
0: You know what, Mac? they couldn't read books they didn't have newspapers, no tv no radio no they, they were
3: they were
4: reading books the egyptians I had hieroglyphics like,
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but they had scrolls the, the, They the had scrolls. Have, they a lot of money pain in the ass they didn't, didn't have, a have a lot of I using the mass
4: population
0: sure i didn't have a lot to do so they would probably be producing a little quicker than we do today
4: maybe <laughs> <laughs> and not, not living
0: as farm hands you had is that his way of
3: explaining like a birth rate explosion or something like that yeah i would think people had nothing to do with but right
0: there's nothing else to do
3: wow okay draco
0: it's <laughs> history man yeah i, I um a hey, hey mac but or, or snake uh this this thing in the 70s did they not see this um arc out from above the ground like parts yeah. of it was were... that photos. was
4: the claim and it's been disproven that what they said they saw okay. was not there hmm.
8: okay well, because otherwise, I'm because there was around.
4: talk about bringing back pieces of the uh, of the arc right and it was being analyzed and all that, and it's turned out that that most of that has been proven to be uh, to be a, f- a falsehood.
3: Obama. Okay. Wow. Thank okay. I, so anyway, thank you for elucidating us on both history and yeah, religion.
1: It's Monsignor Cobra.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe Father Cobra. He looks like a priest. Now, just look at him for a second. <laughs> uh, people who can. I mean, if he had a collar on, now he looks like, you know, the priest who also coaches the basketball team, right? Father uh, Flaherty. If anyone had the
7: collar on, they'd look like a priest.
0: (laughs) I was playing in one of those CYO games, and I threw a chair at a referee, and I found that lady. He was a...
3: He was a priest. He's a I priest, think. huh? Whoa. Okay. I felt bad. I got thrown yeah, out you
0: lucky he can still be bad. in the church. Yeah. He, that, he, that that a, he, he knew it. he made a mistake today. Yeah. So, we
3: so Jocko throws a chair at him. Cool. All
0: right. You, you oh, he, he lost the game for us.
3: <laughs> you'd, you'd fit right in with the NBA. I guess days, his descendant literally. was
4: part of that Red Sox game in yeah. the playoffs. Oh,
3: wow. Okay. You're going to open up that old wound again? So, look, why don't we do this before that happens? Why don't we take a commercial break now? And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Coco's here, Jocko's here, Wanwan's here, Switch is here, Raven is here, Lois Lane is here. We're all here, right? The gang's here. I got everyone? You get it. And Lola well, Cash is we're here. All, here? all right. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
6: Hey, fans. Lois Lane here. And I think it's time for you to get some free swag from Mac Maloney's Military Exile show. We have badges, pins, bar coasters, and some very cool 3D show logos that we just can't wait to give away. Just go to MacMaloney.com and hit the contact button. Send us an email with your mailing address and we'll ship the free swag out to you quicker than Switch can eat breakfast. That's MacMaloney.com and hit the contact button to get your free swag today. Requests for tasteful news of Wanwan will be handled on a case-by-case basis.
9: Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, mac maloney's haunted universe visit places you never knew existed the phantom tunnels of tokyo the ufo trail in south america hong's hat and the very mysterious m triangle mac maloney's haunted universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts haunted planes and ships weird celebrity deaths mysterious sounds and a breakdown of every monster in america state by state you've heard him talk about it on the radio Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
3: Welcome back everyone to Mac Maloney's Moon Tracks, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. Sorry, I burped. I we have to oh, start again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go with 27 uh Ready? Yep, here we go. <laughs> Three, here we go. I didn't hear it. it louder next time. Here we go. One. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney.
6: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Which goes, do it
3: louder next time. <laughs> well you've got to give in right. ten
1: seconds. Twenty seven uh, no, thirty.
3: Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. uh, What a show we have for you tonight, and that we got more fun and laughs coming up. First, I should introduce very quickly the members of the posse. We're going to go counterclockwise on the Brady Bunch now. The very lowest lane is with us uh, tonight in the studio. Very lovely, I should say. I'm tongue tied in your beauty. How are you?
6: Yes. I'm great tonight. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Hi, Mac. Hi, everybody.
3: Okay, and uh, you weren't laughing at the jokes earlier, though. Should we take that as a bad sign, or?
6: Um, no, because okay. everybody else was laughing. I just don't have a good sense of humor, apparently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Jeez,
2: you can laugh when you do Look who
3: you married, and you might want to uh, rephrase.
6: Well, that. maybe I do have okay. a good sense of humor
3: then. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, let's uh, go to Switchy. <laughs> Switchy, you're uh, up in the pecking order, at least for this segment. How you doing, our uh, national correspondent, Switchy? Really I'm still doing beyond wonderful. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Our favorite good witch up there in Sideways, New York. Raven is with us.
7: Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Hello, Raven. And Hello. No,
3: an enormous bun tonight. She is. This is the last bun of the year, apparently. After
1: that.
7: Last bun of 2021. Wow. You know, get get your
5: fix
1: the, fixings. The, the bun is over, right? The bun is it's no over.
3: No bun, <laughs> no fun. That voice you
5: hear just is just don't uh, tell me I have an enormous bun.
1: <laughs>
3: okay. Uh, oh, really? Wow, switch. Um, right. Juan Juan is here with us, Wani.
1: You betcha. Okay, How's Coco. Coco's
3: Hello, everybody. here. I'm sorry, Coco's here showing the uh, the wolf, the Wiley Coyote. What's he on? A ICBM? Is that the ankle there? He's on a rocket. Oh, he's on a rocket. Okay, but that's not going to work. Is it an Acme rocket? It's made by Acme. It's, yeah. an, it's an, an, an Acme, an Acme, Acme rocket.
4: Wiley okay. right. E. Coyote genius have brain will travel yes if there's a motto to, to emulate there it is
3: but he always loses he always loses he's like uh, he doesn't always lose the new york mets of the country he world. tries
1: very hard uh, he's, he's very clever i mean he he enlists the best <laughs> he's not. Uh, <laughs> <corporations>. <laughs> not clever at all the acme corporation is just really
3: what canton are you watching he's a dope i mean that's tied old... into it <laughs> 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 dope. okay let Jocko Johnson is also joining he, us. He
4: adorns my airplane. I will put a picture up in the background. Okay.
3: Early. Okay. I understand. Um, going against the grain, I, I, I'm sure a lot of pilots have the roadrunner on their plane, but you chose. It, they're
4: both on there, but I want to show you guys how it is. Give me a second. I'll bring it up. <laughs> I funny?
3: <have much> <laughs> the either. coyote okay. always loses. <laughs> All right. Jocko is with us, too. Our national correspondent. No, it's a uh, southern correspondent. Sorry, switch. Jocko. Okay, yes, we were, talking about, we're talking about recipes off here. We should do a cookbook, Jocko, Cooking with Jocko. Didn't we have? Oh, we had uh, jerking with Jocko, his uh, oh. he, <laughs> his beef jerky, uh, jerky from the yeah, that's right. right. we do it? That's uh, you uh, want to tell us? You
0: take that, you take that proverbial hippie you talked about. Go ahead. You tenderize him with a nice little blackjack <laughs> or nightstick. Tenderize them together, yeah. you put them in a cell, and you keep slamming the door against them. Okay, so yes. just finally push the desk up there. He flips down the staircase. He's done.
3: Okay. That's eight simple ways to apparently injure a hippie God. who's under arrest.
0: I'm drinking hippie beer right now.
3: Yeah. Sorry.
0: Okay. No, no offense.
8: Obviously, oh, they didn't
4: they meet John. Lucky for us. Sometimes
3: so... Uh, why don't we go from that light note to the biggest skew of the show? Uh, switchblade Steve Ward. Everyone is interested in what you had for breakfast today. So switch, lay it on us.
5: This morning for breakfast, I had a heaping bowl of sugar frosted flakes. Yes. All yes,
3: right. Yes. Okay. No marshmallows, no nothing, right? Oh, no.
5: Okay. Uh, marshmallows. No. Marshmallows? Yes. I bought I bought a I bought a box of Kellogg's sugar frosted flakes. And I maybe I didn't have my glasses on, or I was in okay. a hurry. Yeah, I don't stay. I hate grocery shopping. i go too. through like, like I wish I could go through a drive through window and just happen to throw it in the car. Great idea! You're right, drive through grocery There's a of different there. kinds of they frosted flakes. They had miniature marshmallows right. in this. Yeah, oh. Oh. I heard the repeat I, the other I day. I, I, Never I, like I that. dug a shallow grave and buried it. <laughs> right, oh, okay.
0: boy. You know, pal, you're lucky because <laughs> I've been banned from the supermarket by my wife oh, want to me oh really yeah I you, would know love you, get, you know when you get to the end of the car the end of the checkout and they're like did D- you find everything good yes see i want to be honest and tell them what i really want to tell them
3: what you couldn't I find can't. what you wanted?
0: Well, no because they're all a bunch of shitheads and <laughs> who cares they don't care 1850 okay <laughs> yeah. mark the tape <laughs> they're, they're gonna tell me something and i ordered it 15 years ago and it I, still didn't come in so. okay yeah well, they don't really care huh so apparently that's not good nowadays. So I, I hate just stop going.
3: I hate grocery shopping for one reason and uh Lola Cash aka Lois Lane will you know testify to this. I'm always afraid I'm going to run into someone I know in the first aisle and then run into them four more times, you know what I mean? And so I've left I've left entire shopping carts full of food just to get out of there and
0: those are just those are people you know i lock people up i'm gonna run into (laughs) that's even worse (laughs) okay
3: Go ahead, uh, Raven. You were, you have a grocery store story you, I can tell. You just
7: put your head down and you just keep going.
3: Just keep going, yeah. But but just don't they say? like
7: they even if they say, "Hey, Mac, I'm so and so," you just keep going. Yeah, but but like you didn't a, even hear them. But that's
3: like standoffish. Right. No, doesn't that give off the bad vibe? Standoffish. T- you, oh, I don't do you know, Mac. Have I think small talk? out of the store leaving
4: a grocery cart full of groceries that you didn't purchase. He's <laughs> <laughs> a bad vibe, too. So I mean, oh. the lesser of the two evils. Okay,
3: Lois isn't <laughs> laughing would at you? any of this either. Don't you agree? That's one of my phobias. Oh one... yes, <laughs> okay. it's, not...
6: it's absolutely. Talk true. about someone <laughs> who write
4: a book. High wow, now she she's <laughs> right to there, the Lois, Lois Lane, writing the book on X phobias. like a, 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 right a volume set
0: whatever. inside Mac A to
1: Z.
3: So anyway,
1: okay. I meet interesting people in the supermarket. Do we
3: want to go for lunch? Yes, please. It sounds save us. Go ahead.
5: I went. I went to Denny's for lunch. Denny's diner. I had a double decker, diner hamburger, uh, fries, and a large coke.
3: Yes.
7: Yes. Yes. An upper decker burger. What? Double decker. Double
1: decker -decker. diner. My God. So that was a like a, a double decker uh, slices of bread, and it was uh, like a club sandwich.
5: Yeah. No. No. It's like it's like a. A double like hamburger, double decker burger. It's like a double yeah. oh, okay. burger. All right.
4: Burger had the fries. Hey. I didn't <laughs> hear any about my club sandwich. Oh, yeah, yeah. one one. On. What's what's going on? I here? was just thinking, thinking about burgers, a club sandwich. you know, for some Sikes reason, slice of I was bread, still another burger.
1: burger.
3: What is um what what are the fries like at Dennis? I don't know.
5: No, they're they're not bad. They're pretty good.
3: Because a lot of places I go in, I actually ask them to do the. F- well done fries, okay? Because a lot yes, of times, man, they
5: yeah
3: they throw the fries on and they barely out of the refrigerator. It seems like, but well, but uh, well done fries are actually um, really good. we will talk about French fries twice tonight. You
0: actually. know why, Mac? They put these coatings on them now, so they come out crispy no matter what they think. Oh, is that right? Yep. You got to get the regular plain. You know, you got them, get them plain.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And deep fry those bad boys. So anyway, right. so uh, So switch. Okay, all right. Did uh, uh, did you leave a tip for the? Uh, <laughs> for the for the lunch,
5: I absolutely did.
3: Okay, let's guess now. I'm going to say a double deck burger, for well, you don't know how much I paid. I'm going to I'm yeah. going to guess it. Okay, he's I'm
5: guessing. Gonna, okay. Yeah. okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to say. My, my uh Calm down, switch.
3: Is a double? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get the cooling hand there. I'm going to say twelve bucks. Twelve bucks. Perfect. Really? Yeah. What'd yeah. you leave? Uh, twelve with um,
5: some change. Okay. Well, okay. guess what I left.
3: I'm going to say. Uh, hopefully, you left at least ten bucks. Uh-uh. Eight bucks. Eight, uh, okay.
5: Okay. That's yeah. a 20 bucks total bill. I think that was six. Okay, Eight number one. Great.
3: Yeah, 20 bucks, sure. Huh. Okay, Eight listen.
7: bucks on a $12 bill is awesome. I know it's yeah. awesome,
3: but 10 bucks is even more awesome, and, num- and I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Number That's one, true. you want them to be your friends and remember you. Number two, these are the people who are serving you food, dude, and you want them on she, your side
5: 24-7. Michelle did remember me, and she said, Military discount? I said yes.
3: Thank you. Wow. Okay. There All you right. go. Yeah.
5: Wow. One day
0: Switchy will be a best-selling author, and he also will be living $10. There
3: you go. Okay. All right. But um, Switch- I'm glad I see Flaky. do yourself chocolate. a favor. I'm glad you left
0: the Next time you have them frosted flakes, put half and half on it. Not right. <laughs> I've what? what?
7: I've done I'm that. I'm calling <laughs> the police. Yeah, I've
3: done that. Half
0: yeah. like and Talking okay. to the
3: police.
1: He is the police. So, yeah, I oh, am.
0: Where I came from. A little yeah. bit of half and half. You know, you don't have to put a lot.
1: I mean, I do whole and, milk, but not half and half. Uh, yeah,
0: you get the whole milk. I, that's all I got is whole milk, because the rest of it's just white water. I know. You're but right. But you're right. you put a little bit of half and half in there. I'm telling you, Switch, you'll never eat it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good heart. But have a good heart. <laughs> you'll have a good
3: heart. So. <laughs> wow. I hope they mix well with the little marshmallows. So anyway. When
0: are we writing a book? <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah. When do we do that? Um, Jocko, it's your uh, time to shine. Are you ready? We have a uh, little report on, uh, on, on at least three instances where just odd weather, and I'm not just saying wild weather, but odd weather helped, uh, you know, our country, uh, the military history of our country. It came into, uh, really affect three major events in our history. So please, Jocko, take it away.
0: Okay. Thank you, Mac. You look into this you know it's really been happening so many times over the years in so many different wars and battles and washington and the founders used to talk about providence you know and it seems like providence was looking upon them to help them the first incident i guess we can talk about is um august uh, 29th uh, there was a running battle through long island in New York City, Long Island, Queens, and Brooklyn, what you would call today, at the western end of the island, and then lies Manhattan in the middle of the East River on the east side, and on the west side is the Hudson River. Mm -hmm. At the bottom is the Narrows, or New York Harbor, and on the other side is New Jersey. And so Washington was totally outnumbered by the British. They sailed the fleet into New York Harbor, uh, the Continental Army, They had lost badly during this week of this running battle, how they were being pushed closer and closer to the water through Long Island. Um, They were outnumbered two to one. A fifth of their force had been lost to death, injury, or capture. And on the evening of the 29th of August, 1776, they were pinned down in Brooklyn between the East River and and the British Army. And they decided that the only way to do this was to escape, to have somebody left so we could continue this battle, or the revolution was over right here and now. So the Maryland Brigade, as they called them, or the Maryland Regiment, had come up from Maryland to help uh, in this war. They had volunteered. They had monuments all over New York for these guys. They actually sacrificed themselves in a holding action, a rear guard action, to, um, keep the british off the american forces as they were escaping escaping the continental army and washington called in uh basically they were like harbor pilots i guess you would say the people who were familiar with the harbor but what he would do is and he done this he did this also in delaware when he crossed the bridge when he crossed the delaware to get the Trenton. Mm-hmm. he had these guys that were his favorites these massachusetts boatmen and they were from Boston. They were whalers and fishermen. Actually, Marblehead
4: Mass. I need to throw that in there.
0: Okay. Go ahead. Cape Cod, I was going to say, from you know all around the area. And they were excellent fishermen. They could row boats. And, you know, they did these ancient things that were done in ancient times where <laughs> they would put cloth on the wheels of the carts and the shoes of the men and mm-hmm. the uh, everything, weapons. And they would actually put cloth wrapped to oars so they wouldn't hear them splash. Wow, cool. Yes. As they would row. And they really, these guys were something they knew about, you know, how to get across the river. Yep. Well, the Marylanders had kept these campfires burning throughout the evening and the early morning so that the British thought the Americans were still on the side, on, on the Brooklyn side. Mm-hmm. And um, it was raining for days, and they were in like cragmires of mud. And at about 5.30 in the morning, the sun came up. But for some unknown reason, there was a fog that was said that uh, it said Mother Nature put out a fog, a form of liquid and gas.
8: Mm. Between
0: the rain and the fog, it was so tremendous that they said British soldiers uh, and Marines were sitting in the mass of the ships looking down into the river waiting. Why, like five thousand troops are coming across in these boats in daylight? Mm. You couldn't see them twenty feet away. Wow, isn't that nuts, man? As soon as they get to the other side, the fog lifts. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> day. Hmm. I mean, how and strange! Like, is you know.
3: that? So, how many people? How many? How many soldiers were? Yeah. And basically, this is the evacuation of Yalta. It's, it's considered one of the you know, the biggest victories of the revolution because it the, the army survived to fight again and, and ultimately win. But um, correct. Um, what was it like maybe four or five thousand guys?
0: I think it was five thousand. I think he had an army of about 9,500, and you know, throughout whoever was captured and mm-hmm. died, and you know, their casualties, right? Um, that was all he had left, and he, you know, this was just a fifth of his force, they said, uh, yeah. that were left alive, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Across, wow, that's and crazy! Took, you know, it took hours.
3: They couldn't believe how not easy it was, but how this fog kind of like just protected them. And then, like you say, once it's over, the British have no idea what's going on, you know, because back then warfare was different. You know, you'd see his campfire, they'd see your campfires, they know where you are and stuff. And then basically you meet sometime during the day, you know, for a battle, you know. So if you see a bunch of, you know, fires burning, uh, you know, you think that they're still there, but they weren't. So all Washington really did, Uh, one of the things he did was he just left the campfires burning. And everyone just took for granted on the British side that the Americans are there. We'll finish them off tomorrow and so on. But what he was really doing is evacuating 5,000 people. That's a lot. And these little, uh, not little, but they were rowboats, basically rowboats. And for some reason, this unbelievably really weird, almost paranormal fog shows up on New York Harbor. And they are able to row right by the British you know, troops, maybe 10, 15 feet away. So anyway, so Jock was going to be back uh, uh, soon and talking about two more incidents where there's been like really kind of weird weather having to affect our um, the military history of this country in a good way. So why don't we do this now? Why don't we take a break? And um, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network.
9: Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe visit places you never knew existed, the Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Hong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
10: I was in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew
7: I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there.
0: These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers.
3: Those really are the,
4: the little things throughout the house. Counters that you can't roll up to. How to drag my wheelchair down steps.
1: I want to help but he is so determined.
0: At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function independently and focus on their recovery and family. This house is freedom. It's hope. It's a new beginning.
7: This house has given me my family back.
0: To learn more, visit hfotusa.org.
3: Our Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni. What a show we have for you tonight. We now have a new kind of segment coming up. And what this is, is greatest hits. A little while ago, we asked people to write in and uh, nominate their favorite segments. In the past, you know, two or three months or so, we came up with a bunch of them. And we're going to play them now. I should remind everyone before that, that, you know, your bag of swag is only one email away. Just go to MacMaloney.com. Hit the contact button and uh, send us your mailing address, your mailing address, and we will send you the bag of swag from Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show. It includes two buttons. Um, It includes bar coasters. It includes 3D uh, decals of the show logo and also um, two pins, two kind of cool collar pins that we call family pins. So... Just go to MacMaloney.com, hit the contact button, send us your mailing address, and we'll get the bag of swag out to you, okay? And um, without further ado, why don't we get into our greatest hits segments, okay? These are listener-requested segments from the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks. Our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Well, what a show we have for you tonight. But first, let me quickly introduce the members of the posse. okay, up well, up there near the lake, next to the lake, I can see him sitting next to his fireplace in a rocking chair with a blanket because he's got the shivers. Is that uh, Mr. <laughs> – the very famous one Wan. Wow, what an introduction, sure. JJ. What happened?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on my lazy boy, by the oh, way. Oh, how you there. really? That so I understand. Yeah. Okay, girls. Lazy boy.
3: Okay, girls, you've been warned. Uh, probably not on his lazy boy, but we'll find out up there in his bunker on the great white north, the great state of Maine, looking out at the rest of us. Commander Cobra.
4: Mac, I am actually sitting in one of my old uh, aircraft chairs that really? I use. Yeah.
3: Huh. Do you have an injection seat on it? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> okay. Okay. Up Is in- your bunker heated? <laughs> Not anymore. Of course it's heated. Okay. okay. But here's it's all- heated
4: with the good thoughts and good vibrations good. of the sensitive man that I am. <laughs> oh, okay. And a <laughs> yes. space heater, and an illegal space supposed- heater. I know.
3: Look, at- up there in the Boulder Flakes uh, Battle Creek, Michigan, our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Ward.
5: Great to
3: be here. Great to be and also uh special guest joining us is she's still there, uh Valerie LaFasso, who we're gonna we're gonna come up with a nickname for her, but she's our resident empath. Valerie, you there still?
10: Here, thank you.
3: Okay. Hello, Valerie.
10: It's good to be back.
3: It is, is it really? Yeah, okay. Welcome back. All right.
10: It is. Okay. <laughs> I promise. All right.
3: Um we we have we to love go having back, you back Valerie. We have to go back to switch really quick because uh, in the previous segment we neglected, we forgot. We're having so much fun to ask him what uh, the, the question that everyone across America around the world wants the answer to. What did you have for breakfast today, switchy?
5: Are you, are you really sure that uh, people around the world want to hear this, or would that be bordering <laughs> we, on fake news? We, we got 213 just people
3: just in, uh, 213 people, brother, in New Zealand. Okay, so that's the all side. there is in New Zealand. Yeah, well, okay. All they, well, but, we got a captive audience, though. We?
5: Okay, well, uh, actually, it it was. It came very close to being a vanilla frosted little Debbie honey bun oh, this ooh. morning, mm-hmm. but but yes. fate moved its huge hand because last night it was sitting on the counter. Oh, I happened to make a pot of coffee, <laughs> and my eyes I wasn't even thinking about it, but my eyes yep. connected with it, and I thought, Why wait?
3: <laughs> Maybe you're an empath for so, junk
5: food. Right, you can feel so, it in so the room? So this morning I went back to the old standard, sugar frosted flakes. Oh,
3: uh, Okay, all right. No marshmallows?
5: Oh, God, no. No,
3: okay. All right, because we had a bad scene last week. I was just listening to the show.
5: I had to sage the house afterwards. <laughs> okay, yeah.
3: <laughs> so are you still, uh, without giving too much away, you're still a bachelor?
5: Uh, yes, I yes, am. Yes, you are? Okay. <laughs> and you, you know uh, uh, Krakatoa? <laughs> Yes, that yes. explosion and yes, the, yes. the rubble that must have happened. Well, I'm trying to get the place cleaned up to, to at least that level <laughs> least of to, destruction. To crack Just crack so them. I can kind of move around. And then then we'll move on from there.
3: Cracker Crow level. Okay. All right. All right. Switchy. That's okay. You know, just do a little bit at a time. Babysit. You'll get it fixed. You know, why don't you just yeah. have someone come in and, and, and clean the place? How about that? Yeah, why it
5: like 50 so bucks? messy
3: anyway?
1: You and as you like know, I'm writing a guy. book.
5: I oh, mean he's, he's a writing a book. That's why. That's parallels why. and Patterns, A New Paradigm for the Study of Paranormal Phenomena okay. with my co-author, Joey Medea. Yes. And it's 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 coming along, but I might have to reincarnate to finish it. Really? What
3: do you mean? A well, it's just, it's just
5: been a little slow the last few days, but at oh, least I'm getting some, the some words out. The last few days. Out. Yeah, okay, good. Rather, yeah. Than, rather than going for like a couple of weeks with uh, writer's block or something. Writer's block. There's no I'm, such not, thing I'm as writer's a, block. I'm not actually a writer yet mm-hmm. to to have writer's block. Writer's
3: but. block is the biggest myth in the world. There's no such thing as writer's block. You've never had writer's block? Never. Never. And I've been doing it for longer than I want to say. Don't
1: you go down to the coma to get some inspiration? Or
3: something? It, no. Well, there's it, no, 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 because there were times that I, you know, because I,
1: I a lot of space cowboys down there.
3: Well, there's, just... I, I, there, there have been times you know, I've been doing this for a long time, long before uh, the beach coma even, you know, popped onto my radar screen, frankly. But right. Back um a typewriter. It's never happened, you know, and 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 because I, I don't under, I don't get it. I think that a lot of times those are, you know. Um, Frankly, writers who are, like, lazy or, uh, you know, they're trying to get more money in a contract or something. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a – could be a negotiation thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 or, or they have another – I don't know. I don't know. But I, I can truthfully say that I um, have never had writer's block.
5: But I've yeah. got a question for you now that, that I'm trying to do this myself. You must have had days – do you have days where you get, uh, shall we say, sidetracked? Yeah, every off, day. Off the, yeah, every day. Every day. <laughs> okay. Well, well, give us give us an example. What happens? What kind of things? Uh, you know, what kind of shiny objects to to take you mm-hmm. away from your writing temporarily? Well,
3: it, you know, it's funny because it's it. You always think, okay, I'm going to get up because I get up early every morning, and I'm just going to go hit it. You know, but and that's what you always think. But I don't. What I don't realize is that, you know, from um, the time I sit down, for at least the first hour or two i'm like just you know like responded to emails and stuff like that you know kind of get stuff done that you do on the computer anyway so um and then you know when the show's involved i have to you know log in the show on wednesday mornings you know i get up extra early i log in the show send the notes to the to the editor and um you know, you get that out of the way, and then usually what happens, too, is Wednesday is the day that you send out last week's show, so I got to listen to that and make sure that all the edits are right and the time is right and stuff like that, and it takes, you know, some time. Um, so, by that time, it's lunch, right? So, now I got to go get lunch, and... Um, so, so, it's
5: not frivolous stuff. It's like... No, no, no. Stuff that needs to be done.
3: It's stuff that has to be okay. done, yeah. Yep. Yep. The frivolous stuff comes yeah, I'm, later. I'm good at
5: getting, being distracted by <laughs> frivolous stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like X Hamster and X Videos, that kind of frivolous stuff? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs>
5: x x videos oh, uh, no, uh, my, no no, no, no. Right. i was going to say retro tv maybe okay. okay all right
3: yep yep different strokes they get more plugs
1: than anybody
2: whoa whoa Jeez.
3: anyway dr so-
4: val would you like to uh weigh in <laughs> well uh, she's on written this? Books. Or, 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 or do you have do you have an ejection seat and decide to use it <laughs> yeah,
3: right yes. sure you want just- to be a regular val on the yeah, show she might have what? already
1: punched yeah, out
10: I've- I gotta, I gotta think about
3: that a little yeah, okay. bit. <laughs> well, you're, wait a minute. Now you're a writer. You've written books. I it's am. a pain in the neck, isn't it? Please tell me. It
10: absolutely is. There <laughs> you go. Okay.
3: See, see. You know, and, and, and I agree with you. You know, but the but the thing is that especially is if you have to do it, then you're gonna do it. You know what I mean? You know, if you have but to. But sometimes
5: do. it is—it's it, really cool. I mean, like just yesterday morning, I, I needed uh, some references, and I, I was I was able to find them, able to mm-hmm. figure out where to get them, and I was you know. But some things were coming together. So every once in a while, there's a moment that's uh, that's where it's a lot of fun.
3: Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, when I need stuff, you know what I do? I call Coco, <laughs> which I think I did <laughs> three times today. You know, you know what's the heaviest <laughs> thing on a B-52? That type of stuff. You know, so.
5: <clears throat> Oh, I thought you meant like a like a mafia boss, like somebody yeah, could get so. well, get things you know, done. I'd for call you. someone else for that.
3: So um, okay. yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that you know, and you have to kind of get into the um, you know, kind of get into it every day, you know. And sometimes, some days you have it, sometimes you don't. But if the, if the days you don't have it, you got to at least kind of work on it a little bit, you know, so you just won't feel bad. Um, but yeah. Yep. So is that answer your question, there, Switch? Did you yeah, think yes, it would be that detailed? Yep.
5: I think I think the uh, listeners wanted to know.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, hey, I found that interesting. Bring in a lot of uh, you know uh, light beer, some um, Tito, some weed. You know, you can get through <laughs> anything, believe me. <laughs> so anyway, Valerie, is that how you do it? with –
10: yeah, I mean, definitely. Like beer and I, weed? No, <laughs> no I, I agree with you i just on like to
4: say that he does call me on that particular
3: subject as well. There are two topics to the phone call. That's right. I'm sorry. Valerie, go ahead.
10: Um, yeah, I was just going to say that having the momentum definitely helps once you get started and get into it and have the momentum. It's, it definitely makes it easier to keep picking it back up day after day. hmm um, I'm, I'm at a point with my books right now where I've dropped the momentum <laughs> for the last mm-hmm. few days and need to get that back
3: mm-hmm.
10: um, hopefully tomorrow.
3: The, um, I mean, one thing too, that, that, um, you know, that, that the people ask me, you know, how to do it. Like X, for instance, X is coming on his first book is coming out in June called the Wolf of Kaldorf. It's about how the Irish threw the Vikings out of Ireland, you know, and it's like, it's a historical novel. It's, it's nice, you know, but, um, you know, I've known him for a long time and I had to walk him through every freaking day of this thing he finally got a publishing contract. But, like, one of the things that he would ask me, well, how do you do it? And one of the things that I, I, I this just came to me but, I, yeah, I, I didn't realize that, you know, a lot. Of, I just never thought does anyone else do this? But, but what, what you kind of get, sometimes what you get bogged down on is if you're writing the book, um, you know, chronologically or, 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 you know, laterally or whatever. Okay, so, When you get bored with something that might be in chapter three, but you know that you're going to have something in chapter eight, like for me, it's a dogfight or some kind of battle. I just go and I write that. You know, I write that for the day, and and you're Mm -hmm. off of that, um, you're off that that kind of um, that wheel, that hamster wheel of just kind of turning and turning and turning. Do something different, and then you lay it aside, and then by the and then when you get to that point, you say, oh, this is great because I've already written this, you know, and so you do that, so you can write stuff out of order. Because you're going to have to put it t- back together anyway. So uh, that's another thing that, that kind of keeps you off the, um, you know, it, it it keeps it from being a drag. How about that? I should um, give those online courses there, one one. We should start that up. Yeah.
1: Cause I, I, was, I was relating it to, uh, you know, like a carpenter, you know, achieve, um, having trouble with the four walls. Tell you what, I think I'll go over here and build the roof. And mm-hmm. eventually I'm going to need that roof. So I'll just be a, Fantastic job on the roof. And then I go back to the four walls Wow! Or whatever.
3: Wow. That's a Zen way of uh, looking at carpentry then, JJ. Is. Yes. That's mm-hmm. how
1: I look at uh, troubleshooting computers. And is it? Well, yeah.
3: <laughs> Speaking of that, you you know when... i make when,
1: up the solution and work my way back.
3: You're going to have to come down to the uh, to the beach house soon and sanitize, if you know what I mean.
1: Okay. I do.
3: Uh, so, it anyway... Would there be a well, virus issue there, back? Back? Well, listen, there's always kinds of issues, as you know. Um... So
1: most of the stuff. I need, it, it, I need a full PPE suit when I go down there. Okay. All yes.
8: Right.
4: Okay. One. One. All right. You Maybe know. like an N95 type mask. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: No. So anyway, so um, switch. You have a uh, story tonight uh, for us on the um, from reports from the French called uh, the Lubbock Lights, and and let me just see if I can, you know, if if I can thumbnail it real quick. Back in the fifties, strange, not like one or two UFOs uh, spotted, but but almost on on demand, almost on schedule, people would see like large V's of, of flying saucers flying in formation, right?
5: Yes. And this is uh, this is kind of a, it does go back, this is sort of an old school report, which uh, is only four years after Kenneth Arnold had his sighting in 1947. And by the way, the source for this uh, was a, a UFO magazine, not the the older UFO report, but this is the one that was helmed by uh, uh, Vicki Cooper. And Don Ecker, uh, Vicki Cooper became Vicki Ecker. Uh, uh, she was actually the editor. And uh, later on, they both uh, uh, became editors of UFO Magazine lasted a long, many, many years. And uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Randall, another name we all know, is a gentleman that wrote this article on the Lubbock Lights. Uh, it, it occurred, the first uh, uh, sighting occurred on August 25th, 1951. And this is like, like you say, this is a multi-witness UFO sighting. And there are actually several waves of these things. And uh, it's uh, uh, the three of the original witnesses were uh, could be considered expert witnesses. And uh, they were uh, professors. There were three professors from Texas Tech University. And they were out there uh, doing a, a sky watch. They were looking for meteorites in conjunction with a study that they were doing for micrometeorites. Now, I'm not sure, we don't have a lot of information on this, so I don't know. I, I guess uh, I checked it out, but a micrometeorite is actually supposed to be smaller than two meters. So I am not sure how you determine, you know, when, you, when you're observing the sky and you, you, you see uh, meteors, in the sky, meteors in the sky become meteorites, of course, when they hit. I don't know, <clears throat> it must be pretty difficult to, uh, to find any that actually make it to the, to the ground before they completely burn up. And I don't know how the heck you'd ever find a micrometeorite, but uh, that's what they were out doing at the night that they saw these lights come over and uh, they were uh, uh, they were, of course, you can't. Uh, they were going over fairly quickly. They uh, it, it's impossible to tell how high they were. And uh, they, uh, the, the, by the way, the professors were uh, Dr. W.I. Robertson, Dr. A.G. Oberg and W.L. Uh, Ducker. So they were these were these were real people. And it was 9:10 pm And they were sort of if you look at the you can see these old photographs if you Google them on on uh, on uh, the computer. Uh, it was sort of uh, Mac, uh, I would say kind of a double V formation in a way, but they're all kind of grouped together. Uh, they were moving from north to south. Now the, uh, there was a lot of buzz later on, suggesting that they were birds or something, and that the lights from the city were reflecting up on them. But the uh, originally, the professor said that uh, they uh, well, they actually described them as like st- a, a string of beads in a rough semicircular pattern. If you look at the photographs, I'd say it's a little more of a well, it's kind of a rounded V, I guess. But uh, uh, they thought that it looked like they were giving off their own illumination. And they looked like they're in a very steady pattern. And uh, they, all, all agree, yeah, they all agreed that they were generating their own light. So I think they were, you know, the uh, some of the people later on to try and suggest that they were uh, reflections off birds might've been off track. Although I don't know, you know, for sure what they were. Um, they were yellowish white in color. Uh, uh Professor Ducker gave an estimate that these the UFOs were above 50,000 feet, but that was only based on the fact that, uh, it, that he didn't hear any sound, there was no shockwave or whatever. So really, it was just a wild guess. It's uh, If you don't know how big these things are, you don't have any idea really how high they are, and there was no reference points up there to determine that. Mr. Um, Richie, what year was this? Uh, 1951. Okay. And,
1: uh, so there was no way back then there was in some kind of a Air Force project then, right?
5: Oh, yeah. Actually, it was. Uh, I think it was Project Grudge before Blue Book took over. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Ruppelt uh, was involved in this to some degree, uh, but it's before the official Project Blue Book. But the Air Force comes into this a little bit later. Uh, the managing editor of the Lubbock Avalanche, Jay Harris, found uh, out, out about these lights later that evening. And... Uh, Professor Ducker had called it in because he thought this was kind of an important sighting. And at first the professors were a little bit hesitant to put their names out there because for obvious reasons, because UFOs had been in the news for several years. Well, Usually they would call them flying saucers back then. And there was a lot of ridicule, but they finally relented and, and put their names in there. So uh, the, uh, what they, and, then, and then later on, there, there, were, there were actually several uh, successive nights of these and they they even tried to uh, set up different observation points to try and be scientific to to triangulate mm-hmm. and to try and get a better a uh, Id- better idea of the height of the objects but uh, they, that w- they were unsuccessful because even though they, they flew over several su- successive nights obviously you can't get these things on demand
3: see here's the thing too in, uh, in, 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 which yes. just to j- jump in here this is what always kind of fascinated me about the story is that you know um, they saw them, you know, like I said, they almost showed up on time. You know what I mean? They almost showed up. They were looking for them, and then, you know, there they are. And that, that usually is not the um, situation when you spot UFOs. The other thing, too, is, and, and they, they couldn't tell how high they were, but um, there's another sin- situation that just happens to be in um, UFOs and time on sale everywhere where uh, uh, Glenn Cooper, who was uh, one of the uh, Mercury astronauts, Later on, in the early fifties, he was a fighter pilot in Germany, right on the the line between the the, the east and west. And this is when they thought the Russians were going to attack us at any time, and um and and they used they saw um and he wrote about this himself extensively. They would see almost the same thing as these kind of uh, triangles, kind of like a rounded off triangle formation, chevron type thing of these discs, way way up high. They determined that they were you know giving off their own. Uh, luminescence and stuff, and they thought sure that, they, and they were going from east to west. and They thought sure they were Russian secret weapons or whatever. <clears throat> that turned out not to be so. Um, they at, they used to try to for the first few days this happened, and once again they they kind of showed up on time where they tried they uh, you know they scrambled jets, but they were too high up, and they figured that they were around 50, 50, five thousand feet, and so finally they just stopped scrambling the jets, and they saw them you know many times over the past over like two or three weeks, and made all kinds of reports to the Pentagon they never heard anything about it um, so anyway Gordon Cooper you know hero really American hero because he was a, he was an astronaut but he also spoke openly about UFOs so that, that, that kind of reminds me of this in a way switch you know what I mean big formations showing up right routinely it's, it's really weird
5: now, if we had they hadn't gotten the classic photographs at this point, there was a guy named Joe Bryant of Brownfield, Texas, that uh, now Brownfield's about 40 miles west of Lubbock, uh, he saw two sets of lights go over. Uh, not these were not information. I'm not really, I'm not really sure these were the same things at all. And then a third set went over and they circled low and you could tell that they were birds in this particular case and they, they were re- kind of reflecting off the lights of the city apparently he said that they were plovers you know like a sand plover i guess but somebody else said that, the, that they're a, a migrating type bird and they wouldn't have even been up there at that time but whatever he probably did see birds uh, but they were not in this rigid formation that the other ones were now the the, the they hit pay dirt on August 31st, uh, a man named Carl Hart Jr., uh, a young guy, I think he was a college student, a, uh, a, uh, a photography bug, and he was looking out his window. He'd heard about these lights, had been in the newspapers, and so he saw the lights. He went and grabbed his 35-millimeter camera. Remember those? Uh, Kodak 35-millimeter oh. camera with real films, and, yeah, yeah. And real, real film, real negatives uh shutter speed of f3.5 went mm. back when we had shutter speeds went outside and he got uh, two pictures of what turned out to be a second wave because he saw this first wave go through was alerted went outside if, if, if that that was that was the only wave that went through which is normally what happens he would have had nothing mm-hmm. and then a third wave flew over and he got three more pictures mm-hmm. and these are, are what we see on you know you'll see that's what you'll see on the internet are those photographs that, uh, this particular guy, uh, Carl Hart Jr. took and, uh, the, again, Harris of the, of the Lubbock avalanche learned of the pictures. And when the guy, when he talked to the guy, he was vehement. he, he was said, man, these better not be faked, man. He mm-hmm. did he you know, he just, he really read the guy, the riot act. And this kid was, uh, was, uh, very uh, sincere. And it, it was like, he said, I don't know what these are, but this is what I photographed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, that's when they finally they ended up in the paper, and uh, he uh, uh, he got uh, he got ten bucks for it. Uh, he wasn't really you know looking for, for money, but ten bucks in those days. Well, he didn't it was get probably it. about hundred bucks these days. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But uh, but also he he did not uh, he did not uh, he said he did not want to copyright them because then he felt that people would really think that he had tried to fake something to make a few bucks. Mm. Uh, now then, enter the Air Force. Okay. Yep. And they, they came, they, uh, this is again, project, would have been Project Grudge, just, uh, mm-hmm. just the tail end of, it was first there was Project Sign, then Project Grudge, and then Project Blue Book. Right. This is, I think, the last year that 51 uh, was probably the last year for Grudge, and then 52, they formed Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was from uh, Reese Air Force Base, uh, west of Lubbock, and there was a team from Wright-Patterson also, including Lieutenant... Edward Ruppelt Ooh, yeah. later, who became Captain Ruppelt and was headed Project Blue Book and a team of photographic experts checked out these photographs and uh, there's a test report and uh, they, uh, you know, they, they took in consideration the type of lens and the camera specifics and everything. And uh, they, uh, uh, the conclusion was that one, one thing that's important was they did find some slight movement in the lights. Mm -hmm. Uh, not very much, but indicating that it wasn't just one craft with a bunch of lights on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But on the other hand, I mean, we've all seen, uh, the, the first, uh, first night when I, I, I got my, uh, third generation, uh, uh, night vision goggles. Uh, and I took them outside. If you look at birds way up in the night sky, if they're high up enough, they look like pinpoints of light. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they're low enough, you can actually see them, their wings flapping. But when I first saw them, I thought it almost looked like an armada of, of, of spaceships or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they, while they do fly in formation, they don't stay that steady. They just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So this would indicate – now, again, I don't know what these things were. But it seems to indicate that these were, were definitely not – they couldn't – Simply be birds reflecting off city lights. Right.
8: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Uh, the Air Force felt. I mean, again, they felt this guy was solid. Uh, there was no evidence of a hoax, mm-hmm. and uh, he mm-hmm. saw uh, this guy Hart. He was kept watching the skies. He saw two more formations of these things uh, on a later date, and mm-hmm. uh, on September first, actually, but he did not photograph those. Right. And it, there, there was. Oh, go ahead. I was going
3: to say, why would the birds show up? You know.
5: As yeah. Expected well, to, you they, know. Uh, you know, if they're if they're migrating, they they would. But again, you know, if you watch any birds over a period of time, mm-hmm. they just don't. They're right. just not that rigid.
3: Yeah, they're not perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and just to throw this in real quick, you know, you you went from we went from Project Sign to Project Grudge to to Blue Book, and the reason that Project Grudge, the one in the middle, failed was at the time we were fighting in uh, the Korean War, and um, <clears throat> and what what happened back then is that for the first time you had you had jets, fighters, but you also had aircraft that had radar in the aircraft. So if you picked up some kind of UFO, you would have, you know, sometimes radar on the ground, sometimes radar on a ship, but you would actually have radar on an airplane. So um, you could, you know, if 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 two or th- two or more see this thing, then you know that means that there's something up there. So the U.S. military, especially the Navy and the Air Force, they were in this position of uh, – because the, the government's stand at that time was that anyone who saw UFOs was either a religious crank or you know they're hallucinating or they're delusional or whatever. But now their pilots are seeing all these UFOs over Korea, and there are lots and lots of them. There's been entire books written just about UFOs over Korea. And now they got, had to backtrack because they couldn't say, well, our pilots are religious zealots and uh, hallucinating or whatever. So that, that's what turned into, that's why Garage turned into Project Blue Book because they said, well, you know, we're going to have to at least put a little more effort into this. And that's how it happened. How's that for a little and, uh, side note? There.
5: And their original conclusion uh, in this report, they thought they were these were objects 60 to 100, 120 feet big. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they forgot about that later. They didn't know it they, they, was that range because they don't, Really, they never really knew how high these things were but uh, so but then that was forgotten that was kind of brushed under the, the carpet mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the uh, then uh, there was a report also there was another sighting uh, separate sighting in Matador Texas mm-hmm. where two women saw a sort of a, a, a pear-shaped object on August 31st and if you look at one of the photographs of the Lubbock lights kind of from the side mm-hmm. they look a little bit, like pear-shaped, they even look kind of like the head of a of a street light. You know how mm-hmm. the, you've got the glass part in the front and it kind of tapers right. to the back. Where they, so that's kind. I mean, you can't really tell because it's just a, a a blotch of light.
3: Yeah, that's what's weird about it too is that they 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 literally are lights. You know, you don't have any you, know, you don't have any, any you know visual clue that that might be solid or whatever. You know, they just seem to be lights, like headlights up in the sky. It, it was it's strange.
4: A couple of things that I wanted to throw in yes, to, yes. and I wanted to get uh, Switch's take on this. Yes. You made a remark earlier about the U-shape uh, versus the V-shape. And there was professors, if I remember from Texas, from either one of the universities in the area there that had been some of the witnesses. So they had very, you know, credible uh, witnesses. Mm-hmm. And they said that the photographs didn't reflect what they saw. They said what they looked at was in a U-shape when it went by Mm. uh, and not the V uh, shape. And I remember you making that remark uh, earlier this evening Mm -hmm. uh, when we were opening up this segment. The other part that I have always, uh, well, there's two pieces. The part that always I found perplexing of this, uh, Captain uh, Rupert, or I think, Rupert, excuse me. And I think he retired as a colonel or lieutenant colonel. He said they weren't birds, um, but it wasn't reflected light, but they weren't spaceships either. Hmm. Right. And he, right. that was like I think one of his famous quotes has been, and you know, but I can't divulge what it was. He never could tell the story. What yeah, that's it was. right. That's right. Okay,
3: but see, let's just just go back on the time machine here for a second. Okay, I'm sure the others want to ask questions too. But okay, so let's say that in 1951, the U.S. Air Force had some kind of a top secret thing that, you know, if you're not in the in the know, it looks to you like you know a a some kind of a shape of lights going overhead. On a regular basis for about two weeks over Texas, right? Right. Okay. So so where is it? You know what I mean? What What exactly were they working on?
4: Well, that's an interesting part because, Mac, they, there were witnesses around the same time of the Lubbock Lights that talked about seeing a soundless flying wing.
3: Hmm. Oh, flying and, wing. And that's, okay. uh, that's one of my
4: crazy, uh, you know, uh, things that I chase is the flying wing mm-hmm. uh, stuff that, that repeatedly comes up. And uh, Rupert knew that the Air Force did have a flying wing jet bomber, but he could never figure out what the part was that it was silent, you know, right. what was yeah. going on with it. So it, it's an interesting portion of it, but there are some aircraft that never will be seen, especially if they're in the, you know, the two Zs, maybe right. five of them are built capability. And they may be doing some really, really miserable things to the crew or they may be using a really dangerous type of fuel source. Uh,
3: but, but yeah, right. But uh, th- just to have, you know, like dozens of them going over was, like, you know, really strange, you know. Um, uh, yeah, and I know I know that we go, like, you know, just real quick go back to, like, you know, Area 51, let's say, all right. You know, th- th- there's no really big mystery about Area 51 other than that's a top secret place where they test – our latest uh, aircraft, okay? And I remember reading one. It might have been in Ben Rich's uh, book because he worked at the Skunk Works. He said L- roughly like out of every 10 ideas that we actually come up with and build and fly and stuff like that, you know, if one of them comes out of that, you know, it's a success. So there's nine other aircraft that are flying around. that They probably look crazier than ever. The, 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 the airplane that is the second generation to the stealth fighter, they literally called it the flying whale. You ever see that, Coco? It was like ultra paved oh, yeah. blue. It looked like literally like a beluga whale with wings.
4: And and, and that- they said that that aircraft may have done some of the most incredible deep missions mm. because of its and it was under the Have Blue program. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it that it pulled off what it pulled off. Yeah. and yeah. that one never showed up as a designated uh, right. There's number a on there, uh, Mac. To get to to supplant your 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 conversation, your Supp- argument. Supplant. Look at scale composites. Okay. The uh, the guys, the Rutan guys, they oh. build some of the most incredible. They get uh, contracted to build uh, uh, demonstration
8: mm-hmm.
4: models, you know, flying model size of, of various aircraft. They're the guys that built uh, the Virgin uh, spaceship, well, uh, that's uh, for right. tourism. Scale composites. They yes. have some of the craziest airplanes in onesies and twosies Mm. that uh, demonstrated some particular aerodynamic capability. And that's it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And some of them are sitting in little museums, all sprinkled through the United States. Some of them are out at, at their facility and then, sadly, some of them get broken up. Mm.
3: So, so let's let's just go down another road. Now, the Rutan people. Now, they're the they're the people who are in the plane that flew around the world, right, nonstop well, around the world. One of the
4: brothers was not the designer, primary designer brother. Okay, um, that's Richard what, uh, Rutan, and then that? Bert Rutan's the. Uh, the brother that was mainly the lead engineer,
3: and 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 what? How long what did it take five days to fly around the world? Because it was more, uh, five was, or
4: six days. Okay. Yeah, it, it was an incredible airplane. Um, mm-hmm. It's in the Smithsonian. And the and and the,
3: uh, cr- the the crew was a divorced couple. You know.
4: Well, they got together. uh, They were, and then after the flight, that's when things Is that They were rocky after
3: being cooped up for five days. Okay. All right.
4: Incredible uh, mission, how they did it. They scraped the wingtips off the airplane on On, takeoff. Yeah, on takeoff, the little winglets. They were were, uh, drooping so much because the amount of fuel and everything. But the way it was built, uh, they didn't leak anything and they still could fly it and they,
3: they took it around. What year? Man, what was that in the 80s, probably? 80s, 90s? Mm, I'm trying to remember. No. I have to look that up for you, Matt. Who would I'll want to do that? Give uh a second. Hey, uh, uh, Valerie, uh, any questions ah. on the Lubick lights? The Lubbock lights. Have you ever Lubbock. seen anything like that? Lubbock, if you're from Texas. Ever seen I it? haven't
10: I haven't seen anything like that, but I've I've heard lots of stories similar to that. I've heard the story before not with so much detail, so it was it was interesting to hear a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a comment that I would make, you know, about some people saying it looked more like a U and other people saying it looked more like a V or whatever. You know, I've I've heard stories where multiple people will be witnessing the same thing. But because we perceive things so differently, Mm -hmm. you know, one person sees like, you know, orange lights and another person says, oh no, they look pink to me, you know, because we just, we interpret things differently and even shapes sometimes, depending on where you're standing and how you're viewing something, it can, you know, be the same object and look completely different to two different people.
3: In in any police investigation, believe it or not, eyewitness testimony is like, on the lowest part of the scale, you know. Yeah. You need, you know, forensic evidence and stuff like that because, as you say, people remember stuff differently for whatever reason. You know, very, very rarely does someone remember the same kind of event um, exactly the same way, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, just
4: to pass you your date, the Voyager. Yeah, it was in '86. Nine days, fourteen okay. through twenty-three December. Nine days and uh, three minutes.
3: Nine days. Oh. woo, up there in the tube with someone you're about to get divorced from.
4: <laughs> I don't think they were just about when they got into when they you know you know closed the hatch there, Mac. I, Sounds I like think a sitcom and a result of the uh, the mission and then the fanfare after. Yeah.
3: I just remembered that that at one point they were supposed to um, you know divvy up the the flying hours. But she said that, like he went a little crazy and he and he flew like the last forty eight hours himself or something like that. Mm, something like that, yep. yeah. Anyway, well, anyway, you know, love in strange places. So, why don't we? Do? Why and- don't we take? So, well, go ahead. This, switch <laughs> it. You, oh, oh, yeah. you got a bow yes. for you? You got a bow for the uh, segment?
5: Well, yes. And to to Cobra's point, yes. uh, The uh, the photographs were taken on a different night than the professors saw whatever they saw, so they could be it may have been the same thing in a different formation or whatever. So Mm -hmm. they weren't actually seeing the same thing, but there was a guy on the 31st uh, uh, or actually a lady. uh, She saw a, uh, had a closer view. Well, again, we don't know if it's exactly the same thing or not, but she saw a, uh, uh, Mrs. Tom Wilson saw a a close up of a, something that looked kind of teardrop shape with it was silver moving through the sky, perhaps the same thing. Maybe not, mm-hmm. and uh, the conclusion was the final conclusion of Project Gludge and the Air Force was that they were illuminated birds by f- uh, flying overhead, illuminated by street lights.
10: Street course, lights.
5: Again, yeah. no migratory birds were there at the time. Right. And uh, there was a lot, a lot of problems with that, as was pointed out before. And when when Menzel, remember Donald Menzel? Yes. The, uh, the uh, later on, he reincarnated as Philip Class, I think. Okay. The the ultra. Uh, I won't call him a skeptic. I'll call him a cynic. Uh, He said it was, you know, his big thing was temperature inversions. Remember that? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Yes, that was. And he said that uh, a temperature inversion would make uh, the objects uh, appear to move, whatever these, you know, like stars or whatever. Right. So that's, that was the, and of course it was just brushed off as, and other, others claimed, well, it was the photographs were a hoax when I think it's unlikely that they were a hoax. Mm -hmm. Whatever Hart got, was not something that he
3: hoped, and, 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 and you know the thing too is that you know once again it was it was um, there were people there are there are people who write you know they're doctors in the micro you know migration of birds right they would know on a certain day that there'd be these kind of birds over Lubbock heading this way heading that way and the, the whole bird theory just went out the window because you know you can track those type of things um, just the fact and you don't hear but you know. It's kind of funny how UFOs, you know, kind of progress over the years because you don't hear a lot of, you know, stories of just kind of like lights. It's you know these days people see solid objects or whatever. That's that's the way it kind of seems. But in the 50s, you did have these kind of mysterious lights. The green, you know, we should do the we should do a segment on the green fireballs sometime because that's a whole other kind of
10: had that. The Phoenix Lights. The Phoenix Lights. Yeah, that's true. Nineties. You know,
3: we should do the Phoenix. Fe- you know, because uh, maybe I fell for something, and and Coco can tell me. We should do a show on the Phoenix Lights. Here they are calling right now. Um, um, because if you look at the videotape that that was on a show on TV, and and supposedly there was some national guard, Maryland National Guard, uh, doing um, you know, um, uh, training in in a airbase over these mountains, over on the other side of Phoenix, and. And they said they were dropping flares, and if you watch the video, you can see the. It looks like the lights are actually blinking out, but basically they're going down behind these peaks. Okay, so so if you watch it, you go, you know what? That I get. But on that same night, and on uh, you know, I guess uh, maybe two nights later, people took videotapes of stuff that are not flares. These are gigantic, gigantic, somethings. Okay, gigantic crafts of some kind. Now. That I believe is a secret weapon. I believe it was probably some kind of a stealth blimp or something like that. But there's definitely something, you know, to that. Maybe, maybe back then, who knows? You know, maybe they were, you know, experimented with some kind of a flying wing. They were always trying to do flying wings because they thought that there would be the most aerodynamic way to do it. And it turns out they were right, but they had to wait for the computer technology to catch up to then create the B two Spirit. How's that, Co
4: very good. Uh, I Not to uh, shamelessly plug my show, but I had Dr. Lynn on my show a few years back, uh, one of the probably the uh, the best uh, people that speaks about the Phoenix Lights. Mm-hmm. And I think what she saw um, was not uh, flares. And I do think mm-hmm. that that was part of it. I think there was a, a quite a bit of uh, intentional and accidental um, disinformation and maybe mm-hmm. even hoaxing that went on as part of it. But there was definitely something Uh, tangent uh, in that, uh, in that situation. And they
3: tracked it. I mean, some people track it from Palmdale up to Phoenix.
4: Okay. Some of them.
3: Yep. No, some anyway. So, um, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax. i show here on the distant thunder radio network.
9: UFOs are found in Renaissance art on ancient coins and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft? Or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Ong's Hats, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Wanwan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
3: show here on the distant thunder radio network this is mac maloney wow what a show uh we've had tonight uh that was just our new uh segment where uh, listeners write into us and they nominate their favorite segment over the past three or four months and we replay it okay uh it sounds like a lot of fun to me um lois what do you think we're wrapping up the show a lot of laughs tonight
6: a lot of laughs and a little bit of craziness i think bob maybe visited. Bob might
3: be in the works here
6: i think yeah. he's had a Part Ma- of the show. Yeah. He's, he's
3: mad at us. He used to be the engineer here. And,
6: <laughs> and he's, he's getting to, back at
3: you. <laughs> he's up to hide you. Maybe we should stop talking about him on the air. That might Maybe. help.
6: Maybe. Maybe that's his message.
3: Anyway, anyway, let me just um, remind everyone that uh, Homes for Our Troops. Homes for Our Troops is an organization that uh, we support here on the show all the time. They are an organization that collects money, donations, and they build houses for wounded Iraqi and Afghan war veterans, people who lost limbs and so on and so forth. They build these houses so uh, it's easier for them to get around, lower counters, better stairs to navigate and so on and so forth. And then when they build them, they just give them the keys. They rip up the mortgage. It's all paid for. These people deserve it. Um, homes for our troops, That I think they've already built about 350 houses, which is really nuts when you think of it, Lois, right? Yeah, it's... Um,
6: it's a beautiful organization, and it is, as you will often say, it should be something that yeah. they don't need to exist.
3: Right. We, we, we shouldn't need these organizations to take care of our veterans, but uh, the Veterans Administration is, like, really, really bad in this country, so we have to rely on these people and donations, okay? I know that they tell us that uh, $0.88 cents of every dollar donated goes right to the veterans in their, in their new homes, but... Um, we also had a spokesman on here a little while ago, and he said that once these people get homes, their chances of getting a job and settled and having a family and doing all that stuff, they go up like 85% to something. So, you know, this is this is a way to thank our veterans for what they did to us, okay? And we avoid calling it a charity because, um, you know, it's our moral obligation, not to get on a soapbox, but it's our moral obligation in this country to take care of veterans. It shouldn't have to, you know, rely on donations. But once again, it does. And if you're going to donate to anyone, donate to Holmes for Our Troops because a lot of your Ramdala goes right into uh, helping these veterans. Okay, Holmes for Our Troops, just Google them.
6: Absolutely. And click the donate button.
3: Also, um, Ross Sharp and his mad Englishman friends. Putting back together, a war plane from World War II called the Mosquito was made of wood. Uh, They put two Rolls Royce engines on it, and it turned out to be the fastest thing in World War II for about two years. And I'm going to throw this to Lois, Mm -hmm. who's taking the place of Juan Juan. It was so fast, Lois, that
6: it went faster than the bullets.
3: It went faster than the bullets, okay? It outran the bullets, okay? You now have that job. One, one side. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll take it. The People's Mosquito Project. Just Google them as well. Want to remind everyone of the uh, bag of swag. Just go to macaloney.com. Send us your mailing address via an email. And we will send you out a bag of swag. The bag of swag contains uh, 3D um, decals of the show's logo.
6: Pins and bar coasters. Bar
3: coasters are a big, big item, and also little badges. Yeah, Your bag of swag. They're going around the world like hotcakes, as it turns out.
6: Yeah, around the world. That's true. (laughs) Literally
3: around the world. Uh, Just uh, go to MacMaloney.com, hit the contact button, send us your mailing address, and we'll get the bag of swag out to you. Okay? So I think that wraps up this kind of crazy show. Lois?
6: I would say that wraps it up. It's yeah. a wrap. It's Mac. a
3: wrap. Got anything else to say? No?
6: Just have a great night, everybody. Okay. Have a great <laughs> We're night, everyone. glad you joined us.
3: Okay. And uh, we will be talking to you soon. So until then, this is Mac for the rest of the gang saying be safe, be happy, and
8: bye-bye.